Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And uh, so we're, we're thrilled to death. We're blessed. Hunt's over. We, as soon as the hunt was over, we did what... Um, what uh, what everybody does out here this last week, um, when you burn firewood, we go out to the woods and cut like crazy. And so we did it for the last two or three days last week, and we cut firewood as soon as the hunt was over. And um, then, of course, got ready for our watch night service on New Year's Eve. We stayed up till midnight, let our teenage boys preach. And by the way, folks, you can go ahead and listen to those boys preach or even watch it on YouTube, Payson First Baptist Church Audio. Type it in the search engine. We had five boys up there. They did a fantastic job. Uh, I get it now. Some of you old-time preachers, I remember hearing you say that when you would hear us young guys preach. And I, I kind of had a nostalgic moment. I see Pastor Mike Hoover in the chat room. On New Year's Eve, I remember all those years ago, I think it was 97, where I was a teenager. Or was nine, I don't remember. It was one of those years. I was a teenager, and I preached behind the pulpit. I think it was 18. But I preached behind the pulpit here at Payson First Baptist Church. And now I'm watching my teenage boys preach, and I, I, I get it just a little bit. That feeling like maybe this generation has a chance. Uh, they did a fantastic job, and uh, we had a grand time. We prayed in the new year, and then we all slept in. We had only one service on Sunday morning, and uh, we just had ourselves a blast. We had ourselves a blast. Called it a day after about 1230. Had a great service. God really moved on New Year's Day. Just really moved. The Lord gave me a good message, and uh, we got to see the Holy Spirit work in people's hearts. And it was a good start for 2017. Praise the Lord for all his goodness. And uh, here we are in the new year. Now, folks, we are a show that's dedicated to tackling controversy and conspiracy directly related to Christianity. And we do all this from a biblical perspective because we believe the Bible's our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. And that final authority mandates that we contend for the faith. That means we must be contentious. I don't care if Donald Trump is in the White House, which he's not yet. He's got several days still. But it doesn't change anything here, guys. Our country is a wreck. And there's no way he's going to fix it without God. Say, was Donald Trump saved? Look, I, I really don't trust anything that a Falwell will say. Okay, I don't care if Falwell Jr. claims that Trump accepted Christ. If he did, God bless his heart. But he's going to have a lot to answer for now that he's going to be president of the United States. It's going to take a lot more than Trump to fix our nation.
And um, and he's going to need Christ through it all, and we most certainly hope that he does come to Christ. But I wouldn't uh, bank on anything that Falwell said. Good to have you along with us, folks. Um, <clears throat> I am the pastor of Payson First Baptist Church, and uh, we're still going strong. It, we're just we're having a blast out here, folks. We really are. If you're in the Payson, Arizona area, then come visit us. Uh, we still preach the old King James Bible, and you know I'm just crazy enough. And for you intellectuals out there, I'm just, um, I'm just dumb enough to believe that book is perfect. You intellectuals will probably never get that. That's all right. You can explain it to God why you didn't trust his word when you stand at the judgment seat, if you make it. Um, but I'm just crazy enough to believe that God did preserve his word, and he preserved it perfectly, and we preach it. And we, we, we evangelize. We go out, we, we try to win souls to Christ, and we try to preach the gospel, and we try to preach holiness. I've noticed that uh, every year we have to do kind of a gut check in our church and, um, and, and, and just look at how the devil slips in and, and get back on track. You've got to do that, folks. You have to do that. You just got you got to go through the house. Uh, you know, skirts getting a little too short. It's time to preach on holiness and righteousness, modesty. Uh, TV starting to take over again. Social media creeping in. Teenagers getting pulled away from God. Time to get our focus back on the Word of God. Get it back there, guys. So, well, it's, you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to do New Year's resolutions. I, I don't. I don't know why you say that. It's, it's only the arrogant soul who thinks that they somehow never fall. That believes there's no such thing as a New Year's resolution. Guys, there's a time to start over, all right? The Bible says the just man falls seven times. That means a just man can fall. Now, if you look at the context in Proverbs 24, he's not talking about a man who's impartial, like a just judge. He's talking about a man who walks by faith. Look at the contrast between 15 and 16. So a just man can fall. Even Peter warns that a Christian can fall. You can fall flat on your face. Get back up. Dust yourself off. Get it right with God. Repent. Start right. 2017 is as good a day as any. New Year's Day. Good a day as any. And so we've been encouraging that and um, trying to keep our focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's coming back is soon. He's coming, guys. He's coming. You better be ready for that. You had better be ready for that. Now, here's a couple things I, um, I need to uh, let you know, or at least one thing that's very important to us, and that is our February meetings. Uh, this will be our 2017 fellowship meetings. My father-in-law, I think, dubbed it the Mugion Unregistered Baptist Fellowship Meetings, so we're not in any way associated with the UBF movement, but we are most certainly unregistered, as unregistered as we can get, guys. And um, it's, it's our fellowship meetings. It's our time. We bring preachers in from around the country, and we just let them preach, let them just fire away. We have them preach every single day. And uh, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, February 26th through March 1st. I think we got Pastor Jason Burton, my co-host, who is sick tonight. Uh, we, he's bringing his whole family. Brother John Kiefler, dear missionary friend of ours, he came up here and shot himself a bull out just uh, just about a month ago, and uh, he'll be preaching for us. What a humble young man! If you uh, folks, you've got to hear this young man preach. Just a sweet young man, and you just don't have too many preachers like this. Very humble. 
Very sweet, very simple. Just bring you the Word of God. And uh, we've got Brother Scott Pullman. He's going to be with us, Bearing Precious Seed Ministry. Great ministry, uh, getting the Word of God around the world. And uh, I think Brother Ted Alexander is going to be with us, Baptist historian. It's just going to be a great time. We hope to see everybody there. We have a special men's meeting on Tuesday morning where we deal with subjects like... um, the Lordship of Christ over his church, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, all that wonderful stuff. We, I think we might have a Baptist history uh, a meeting as well on a Wednesday morning, and then, of course, just preaching each night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So you don't want to miss this. This is February 26th through March 1st. It's kind of the, the major page turner for our church. It's the start of the year, get us all fired up ready to go for what God has for us for the rest of the year, and uh, we truly are looking forward to it. So, good to be with you tonight, though. A lot of things have gone on in the news. I haven't been on the air to blast them, and uh, maybe my co-host has already done that last week, but I just, I gotta bring these these couple things up. I noticed that um, a couple, uh, or actually three uh, well-known individuals, celebrities, have passed on. Um, Carrie Fisher, and I think everybody knows knows her for the Star Wars movies. Uh, her mother, Debbie Reynolds, passed away as well. And then George Michael, pop star. Um, guys, uh, there was actually an article I noticed uh, just this morning um, blasting the quote-unquote reverend. There's nobody reverend but God. But we'll just go with the article. Franklin Graham. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of conflicted when he says things because he's still in the mainstream, but every once in a while you get a glimmer of a Bible believer in that guy. All right? Now, I, I don't believe this man is insincere. Okay, I don't believe he's insincere at all. I truly believe uh, Franklin Graham is trying to do a good work, um, and and I, and I don't think he holds to all of his daddy's uh, theology. But regardless of that, um, he he was getting blasted because he. This is what he said about Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds, and George Michael. He said uh, if they didn't come to Jesus Christ, he said they're burning in hell right now. <laughs> I got I got to see that tickles me just a little bit, guys. That blesses my heart that somebody's willing to tell the truth. Of course, sir, and it wasn't the secular world that was blasting him. It was the quote-unquote Christian world. Oh, now how harsh is that? How harsh is that? I don't care whether Carrie Fisher was well-known just for one um, uh, pop culture f- uh, film trend. Um, if she didn't come to Christ, which as far as we can see, she was no Christian at all. Guys, she's burning in hell. And Debbie Reynolds, I know you guys, some of you guys out there, you softies, you like that singing in the rain thing. Um, I don't care how well she danced. If she didn't know Christ, she's burning in hell. And George Michael, this is what gets me about George Michael. All right. I I don't know of anything he wrote, honestly. The songs, I I probably would recognize it uh, from the 90s. Maybe, maybe recognize a tune, but I just, I can't think of one that really mattered. And this guy was, I, I was reading another article about he's had a troubled past and just, you know, just really struggled with his life. No, he was a faggot that was a drug addict. No discipline. He was a scumbag, guys. That's all he was. There's no trouble past here. He, he basically reaped what he sowed. You can't take all that junk and live the reckless life that he lived and expect to see 60. It's just not going to happen. Well, maybe it might, but 
He reaped what he sowed. And, and, and why in the world would we even care whether this guy died? He was a dirtbag. He literally was a dirtbag that partied all his life and came to the end with a heart attack. And now all of his faggot lovers are uh, aiming for, you know, his estate. And, hey, man, help yourself. I don't care. But it's amazing to me how Christians kind of soften up. You know, this is, this is why we are the contenders for the faith. There's a time to be a little bit contentious, guys, and this is one of those areas. You don't know Christ, you're burning in hell. Now, here's what will really blow your mind. Maybe George Michael might have come to Christ, but based on everything we know of his lifestyle, I don't think so. You say, well, maybe in his deathbed. No, he didn't have a deathbed. He died of a heart attack. It came suddenly, bud, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And without Christ, you die you face eternal damnation. George Michael, Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds, they really did not make a difference in this world that mattered or amounted to anything. Seriously. Now, I know, I know there's kind of a cult following with that sci-fi uh, movie series, but it didn't change this world, not for the better, nor did George Michael or Debbie Reynolds. Well, Debbie Reynolds, you know, she played in classics that at least, you know, aren't. And it's amazing that classics during the days of the classics, there were hardcore preachers, Bible believing preachers that ripped on those things because they saw the immodesty of the women, the dancing, the music. And now those are tame compared to the trash that we uh, we watch on a regular basis. Then that's sad. We've come a long way today. We've come a long way. And Christians, you can't soften up, not for a second. I remember when, um, oh, what was her? Oh, now my mind's just drawn a blank. The, uh, the lady in India, Mother Teresa. I remember when she passed away. And I remember in our church, Prayer Baptist Church, Westland, Michigan, I remember a preacher getting up and saying these words, Mother Teresa if she didn't call on Christ but followed her Roman Catholic religion, she's burning in hell right now. And how appalled the women were in our church. They were appalled at that statement. They, 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 Princess Diana and Mother Teresa, they had to have been in heaven. Not without Christ. If your name's not found written in the book of life, I don't care how sweet you looked. You will be cast into the lake of fire forever is what the Bible teaches. Forever. Speaking of religion, since we're on this subject, uh, New Year's New Year's Eve, actually New Year's Day, by the time I got to bed, it was about 1.30, I grabbed my phone. Just I just had to look to see if any terrorist attacks had happened on New Year's Eve. And, of course, Istanbul, uh, or Istanbul came up. Uh, a Muslim man, dressed as Santa with an AK-47 kills what 30 people 40 people and then wounds 70 and um, and of course you know this is this is tragic news it really is but uh, it's not surprising I expected something like this to happen and even in Istanbul which is supposed to be 96% Islam why would they kill each other there because the Bible says in Genesis 16 verse 12 that that those people would be wild people and their hand would be against every man including themselves guys 
But I mean, it's uh, you think about this. This Muslim guy dressed as Santa and went and blew himself up. Is that even allowed? Does he get the 72 virgins dressed like Santa? Because that's kind of like crossing the line, man. Regardless, ISIS claims this attack, but they do not claim a lesser-known story. In Nigeria, a 10-year-old girl straps a suicide vest on and blows herself up, but she detonates too soon, and no terrorist organization claims it. Do you want to know why? Because it's all about killing in the blood. It's hypocrisy, man. She just, she wasn't successful, so therefore they didn't claim it. This is your religion of peace, and these are the people that are infiltrating our nation uh, thanks to President Obama and his liberal agenda. Ironically, they're being placed in conservative states across our country. <laughs> but you know what? And I... And I See, this is how my mind works, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual in any way. All right? But I do read a little bit of history. During the Irish and Italian immigrations, which by the, I'm the result of that, uh, not the Irish, of course, but the, uh, the Italian immigration, um, I'm fourth generation, so my great-grandparents came over through Ellis Island, and uh, from New York into Detroit, and um, there made a home. And so you'll find a lot of Garissis over there in Detroit on east and west side and pretty much uh, in Michigan. But um, so I'm a result of some of the Italian immigration. But uh, during that time, during those immigrations, the, um, the Roman Catholic Church saw this great influx, and so they ordered their priests in New York— to make sure that they headed off these immigrants at the pass. Basically, they came over, and the first thing they did was do not listen to these Baptist preachers. Because listen, guys, if you know your history, you'll know that the Baptists saw the immigrants coming in as an opportunity, and they hit them up hard. But the priests met them with open arms and said, do not listen to those street preachers. Check your history out, guys. They warned them about that. Very, very... um. Very adamant, uh, very thorough, and uh, the Roman Catholic Church has done their best to convince Catholics, born a Catholic, raised a Catholic, you die a Catholic. And so they warned strongly against the Baptists, but the mindset of the Baptists was this, these people are coming, let's get them the gospel quick, let's get them the gospel quick. So here's my mind, all right, on this. We can rip on these immigrants coming in. We can rip on these immigrants coming in. Uh, we can blast Obama. He's basically going to try to tie the hands of uh, of the um, uh, of Donald Trump and his uh, administration. I, what else would you expect? But we can see his agenda. He's always been Muslim, and um, we we see how it fits that he would put these people throughout our country, especially in places that are conservative, and keep it secret. But guys, listen, if you're in that area, instead of blasting Obama and the problem with this immigration, they're in America, man. Go give them the gospel. If you're there, there is something you can do about it. Go give them the gospel. Our Baptist forefathers were willing to meet the Irish and the Italians as they came through Ellis Island. And they tried. The Roman Catholic Church did its best to intervene. And they were successful for the most part. 
Well, the Baptists, they saw it as opportunity. Hey, guys, they're in our country. We are not obligated to respect their religion, not even in the slightest, especially since we know their religion is going to condemn them to hell, just like George Michael, Carrie Fisher, and Debbie Reynolds. So, well, they weren't religious. whoop they do man. They didn't know Christ. They didn't follow any religion. Yeah, they followed their own religion. It's a different religion, guys. It's just a religion of humanism. Islam is just a religion following paganism. That's actually all paganism truly is, except for Christianity. True Christianity. I'm not talking about Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism is not Christianity. And most staunch Roman Catholics would admit to that. Most staunch Roman Catholics will admit they're not Christian. So give them Christianity. You can blast the invasion and the infiltration, but the fact of the matter is they're here. And if you're in that area, folks, there's your opportunity. It's, it's, it's one of the situations we have uh, to face in our own town because they want to build a university in our town. In fact, they've already began. The roads have been cut through. They've been paved. Um, the access to it and all that. Now they just got to decide which university is going to come in here. Guys, any university that comes to our town is going to be an absolute wreck. What a waste of time. I, I, I've always said this, and, I, and I'm going to continue to say this. The best thing they could do is put a trade school in our town instead of these stupid liberal arts schools that are a waste of time. There's no real education being done there, just indoctrination, and it is putting out the, uh, the liberal, um, uh, what did Frank say, snowflakes that we're seeing today. Nobody with any backbone at all. And so the old-timers in our town know better. They know that a college would be a mess, but a lot of times these things happen, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it except voice your opinion, and they still happen. So what do you do? Well, as a preacher of the gospel, you know what I see? If it's going to come, that's an opportunity. That's more people. Man, my heart goes out. It really goes out to this younger generation. And I have no intention of compromising in order to win them. But just, it, it, I remember, guys, that feeling I had when my first boy was born. And I held him for the first time. The playtime was over, guys. And I look at these young couples that are just consumed with entertainment. They're consumed with uh, social media. And I know in their hearts, they know they need something serious. Let's give it to them, guys. All right, we'll be right back. Stay tuned in the second half.
Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds,
second half of the broadcast. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, I am Pastor Anthony Garissi, and uh, you are listening to the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast on this prestigious American Voice Radio Network. You can get in the chat room. I see several of you in there. I see Pastor Mike Hoover, my father-in-law. I saw you, O. Brennan. And uh, Nanya was in there for a while, and then he bailed out. He said he's just going to step away for a while. And um, then, of course, there's me right up there at the top. So I am watching the chat room, um, but I am not a multitasker, guys. So if I miss your comments, I, I just... I don't know what to tell you, man. I missed your comments. <laughs> I just do the best I can. I, you know, dead air cannot happen. It must not happen on radio. So we must keep talking. And sometimes I have to stop talking to read. So, but anyways, good to have you along with us tonight. You can contact me. Uh, just type pastor at PaysonFirstBaptistChurch.info. That's pastor at PaysonFirstBaptistChurch.info uh, via email, and I would love to hear from you. You can give me a call, 928-474-3530. There it is. I just gave you the church phone number. If I'm in the church at the moment, then um, I'll answer. 
I'll do the best I can. I'll answer your call. And if you want to tell me, you know, that uh, Mystery Babylon is in New York City with the U.N. building, um, you're welcome to do so. You can try. Uh, but you're never going to convince me on that one. But I, I'd love to hear your arguments. I, it, I'll, gi- I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I have one guy tried to convince me that um, New York was Mystery Babylon, the city that sits on seven hills. And, um, and I'll tell you this, the uh, best thing Trump could ever do is just just you know, kick the United Nations right out of that building and take it over, turn it into another one of his Trump Towers, because <laughs> that's the biggest waste of time and uh, why we would ever allow such a one-world uh, anti-Christ organization is beyond me. But uh, that's all part of God's plan. It was already prophesied. He knew it was going to happen. He could see that. He put it in the book. So I do believe the United Nations is a part of the one-world government, the anti-Christ uh, agenda. I do believe that. Um, and, um, you know, I don't expect them ever to make the right decision on anything, including Israel. And it is no, it is, it is no surprise to me that they would rule as they have, uh, in Israel. That, that just doesn't surprise me at all. And, um, I, I know some of you don't believe that that's actually Israel in Israel, that the, those are actual Jews. Well, I, I just, I got one argument for you. Why does everybody want them out then? Okay, I mean, if they're not really Jews, then this shouldn't be a big deal. Why does Satan want them all gone? See, that's that's it's a little bit more cut and dry to me than maybe for Stephen Anderson and so many others that uh, and Tex Tex Mars and all those other guys. If 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 you know if if those are not Jews there, then why does Satan care? Because we know that Islam is a religion of Satan and always has been. So why do they want them out? So, well, you know, they want the land. No, 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 guys. They don't want them there because, well, I think the Bible Bible is pretty clear. They are who they say they are. Well, uh, DNA, whatever, man. Come on. Seriously. Anyways, um, that's not what I'm talking about. I just figured I'd say it because it's. You know, it's radio, and it give you something to get mad at. Um, you know, with the rest of the world, you can get you can join forces with the rest of them, I suppose. But, uh, anyways, you're all this to say, you can give me a call, you can give me a holler, and uh, I yeah, I'll do the best I can to hear you out. And uh, and if it's in the Bible, I'll I'll follow it. But if it's not in the book, guys, forget you. I, I, I'm not, I'm going to be mean to you, but if it's not in the Bible, okay, it's not in the Bible, then I'm going to, I'm not going to buy it. Now I believe the mystery Babylon is Rome. That's just me. I'm not going to say it authoritatively, but I think Rome fits all the um, qualifications, but I'm going to say it authoritatively because it doesn't say Rome. It just says mystery Babylon. It's a mystery guys. You know, I got the key to the mystery, whatever. Listen, the key to the mystery of salvation, Paul got. Those mysteries of the Gentiles getting in and the body of Christ, well, that's already been revealed. But a lot of the stuff in Revelation, it hasn't been revealed. And the biggest problem is a lot of you guys think you've got the key to what he said is a mystery to begin with. And you speak authoritatively on what God does not reveal. But you can take your best shot. Take your best shot, man. I don't. I, I, I honestly, I'm not worried about it. I really am not.
Anyways, you can contact me via email or you can call us. And if you're in the area, uh, I remember LT, he stopped by. He was driving through and uh, he just stopped by to say hi. I, I, we're hospitable around here. We'll, we'll stop and say hi if we're not too busy. And uh, we've got time. We've got time. We, we love it. We love to talk to listeners. So you're welcome to come by any time. All right. Um, so I, I saw another article that's rather interesting to me. This article um, it touted that Christians is, are the most persecuted religion. They are the most persecuted religion, and they have claimed that this year alone, or excuse me, the past year, 2016, over 90,000 have been martyred. 90,000 have been martyred. And uh, uh, most of that uh, we can lay at the feet of Islam. And um, so here's the question. Is it all Christians being persecuted, and why is it Christianity? And what about the other religions? seems like Islam would be against all the other religions. But actually, guys, um, Christianity, the Bible says that we would be hated. And in the last days, men will fall in love with themselves, and they're going to they're gonna hate God. They're going to hate God. There's going to be a great falling away. Um, they're going to they're gonna f- find themselves steeped in immorality and paganism. And guys, they're going to come after us. Jesus warned this to his own Jewish disciples. He said, they're going to hate you. Now, the world hates the Jews, for the most part, in and of itself. And that's, and I'll tell you why they hate them. One, because they're associated with God. But two, um, that's just part of what uh, their punishment is for saying, let Christ's blood be upon us and upon our children. All right? So we expect them to go through thousands of years of persecution, and they have been. But it's not our job to persecute them. True Christianity never persecutes Israel. We never persecute Israel. We are never against them. We don't even take the chance that we get the wrong Israel. We just leave them alone. Leave them alone, guys. So, well, you know, I'll tell you right now, we're just Judeo-Christian thing. No, no, we're not Judeo-Christians. But I'll tell you right now, I'm not touching those people. I'm not taking that chance. You guys help yourself. Not me, man. Not me. So, well, God's persecuting them. He's putting them through it. Yeah, I believe that. And they have gone through it, guys, from the uh, Russian pogroms to the uh, Holocaust. Yes, it happened. I don't care if you don't believe it's six million. Okay, 600,000 is still genocide, guys. Come on. 100,000 is still genocide. You can't avoid the, the pictures and the people that actually were there, the stories. It's still there. It's rec- recorded, okay? Regardless, this is all the result of people who've been chosen by God, rejecting his son. I believe that. But as far as Christianity is concerned, the world's going to hate you because you've called on Jesus Christ, you love Christ, and Satan despises that. He despises them. Now, when, again, when I say Christianity, I'm not talking about Roman Catholicism. But because... Roman Catholicism does claim to follow a Christ. They kind of get lumped in with us. Sorry, guys. You know, you should have been a little more emphatic as to your Roman Catholicism. (laughs) Bummer. You Orthodox out there, I I feel bad for them. And here's the reason why I feel bad for them, because they're going to be martyred for their religion and not go to heaven because they've rejected Jesus Christ. They're holding on to their works. 
You, you just call it for what it is, guys. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Nobody else. Roman Catholicism teaches everything. Everything about the religion in opposition to what the Bible teaches. They've got a mediatrix named Mary, who they claim to be a um, um, perpetual virgin, which is completely unbiblical. They still worship idols. They still hold to idolatry. And they do not teach, you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven, because they do not teach the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, because they claim to follow a Christ, they're being persecuted alongside of um, true Christianity. That's just the way it is. So I imagine that that 90,000 will include some Catholicism. Like, you know, they got, they got on the wrong side of things. But man, I, I, this is my warning to you Roman Catholics out there. If those of you who are hearing the sound of my voice, if you are fortunate enough to hear the gospel this evening, you need to reject your religion and call on Christ. Because if you're in the Middle East right now, they're coming for your heads. And I wouldn't hold on to your religion for anything in the world. I wouldn't die for your pope and your cardinals and your perverted priests for anything in the world. There you go. Because ISIS is pretty clear. And you're not getting any help from the United States of America, those of you out there in the Middle East. You're not getting any help from us, not, not as long as Obama is our president. It won't be long. But he's not going to protect, and he, and, he, and he never has. He's never cared one flip for you Christians out there and you Catholics out there too. You say, well, <clears throat> Roman Catholicism is the result, and I think uh, O'Brennan mentioned this, is the result for much of the hatred towards quote-unquote Christianity. Like, for instance, the Crusades. I was reading one article, and um, they said our response to ISIS is the Crusades, you know. Guys, the Crusades were wicked and vile. It was just another faction of idolatry vying for Jerusalem. It had nothing to do with protecting the Jewish people. In fact, those Roman crusaders came in and raped the Jewish people, and you had a generation, a generation of uh, illegitimate children coming from that, half Jew, half Roman, half French, half Jew, because of the raping and the pillaging that came from the crusaders. Then you had on the other side um, uh, the Muslims with their religion of conversion by the sword, same thing as Catholicism. The Crusades have never been Christian, not even remotely. But I'm going to say this to you, dear Catholics out there. Please listen to me. I am not against you. I'm not any more against you than Peter was against Cornelius, the centurion of the Italian band. Your first Roman Catholic in the Bible was Cornelius, the centurion of the Roman band, Italian band. He was the first Roman Catholic in your Bible. That's, first, or that's Acts chapter 10. He was unsaved, and yet he feared God. Now, some Christians don't get that, actually. But you find out that Cornelius was no more Christian than any of the other pagans at that day, or the Jews that rejected Christ, in Acts chapter 11. 
but he feared God, and he loved God's people, and he gave alms to the poor. And when Peter showed up, he fell on his face and worshipped him because he's supposed to be the first pope. That's just free, guys. He did try to worship him. And Peter said, get yourself up, bud, and let me preach you the gospel. And he preached the gospel in Acts chapter 11. He said, these guys weren't saved. And God got the gospel to them. And I'll tell you, you sincere Catholics out there that are looking for the truth, here's the truth. Your religion is false. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. No works. None whatsoever. He said, well, don't the Buddhists get persecuted? No. They're not a threat to Satan. Well, don't don't the uh, the Hindus get persecuted? Nah, they're not a threat to Satan. They just you know the, the the Muslims kill everybody. All right, but they're no threat. They're no threat to Satan. It's Christianity. It is Christianity. Muslim savages. Frank just he posts in Skype. He said, "Hooray for the Crusades, killing the Muslim savages." I got to tell you, the Roman Catholics were as they were just as savage. The Inquisition was just as savage. And it was the same mindset, conversion by the sword. Christianity has never been conversion by the sword. It's never been. Yet Christianity is willing to wield a sword to defend their lives. So this is interesting. The um, uh, German prime minister, Angela Merkel, she calls on German people for New Year's Day, she calls on them to show love and compassion towards the Muslims, who I believe uh, one of them just ran over a bunch of people, and now they've been having Muslim uh, uh, terrorism in their country for quite some time because Angela Merkel is responsible for letting them into her country. Now she's telling them to show love and compassion. Guys, Christianity shows love and compassion in preaching them Christ, but still keeps that sword in case it needs to stamp out evil in defense of its people. That's why Jesus Christ told the disciples to buy a sword. What a twisted mentality we have today. We have the liberal agenda that hates Christianity, but wants to show love and compassion to Islam. They get it all backwards, guys. Um, let's see, O'Brennan, what would you say? What was the name of the former Catholic priest that has the comics? Yeah, that was Alberto Rivera, O'Brennan. Alberta Rivera. So you, That's a great story to read, by the way. And Alberta Rivera has passed on alongside of Jack Chick, by the way. Uh, not alongside, but Jack Chick has gone home to glory as well. Another soldier for the faith, man. Jack Chick did great work, great work with his tracks. Great work. Boy, you know, you know why a lot of Christians don't like Jack Chick, though? They think his tracks are too explicit. Can you, can you even imagine that? It's too explicit. You know, you know we're supposed to be, oh, for crying out loud, we got a world that watches the most vile and ungodly things, and when you get a guy that calls it like it is, well, just, you know, love and compassion. Why don't you go hold hands and have a group hug with uh, Angela Merkel? Muslims have never needed... A group hug, guys. What they needed is staunch Christianity to say, this is the right way. Walk ye in it. And if you come into my house with your bombs, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. 
all right? We're going to defend ourselves. And that's the way our president should be. But alas, we are in a twisted society, a society that no longer has common sense because it no longer recognizes the Bible for an authority. And, and you know who we can lay that at? Uh, whose feet we can lay that at? We can lay that at our Bible college professors out there who have convinced young preachers that there is no final authority that can be trusted. Guys, it all comes back to the late 1800s as the textual critics convinced Christians, not just Christians, but the preachers of our day, that there was no perfect Bible. It's gone. God couldn't keep it preserved, so thank God for my intellect. And that has, that has carried to this day, and now we have the Christianity that we have today. Let's show love and compassion. Our love and compassion is to reveal the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world and condemn sin for what it is. Condemn sin for what it is. So I thought, I thought Jesus said we're to love those that hate us. Yes, we do, and do good to them that despitefully use us. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. And you should, but not at the risk of innocent lives. They said, but what about martyrdom? Well, there comes a time when there's nothing you can do but die for Christ. We're not there yet, guys. We're not there yet. And the biggest mistake the Jerusalem church did was not take advantage of that gospel and preach it. And so God said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead. I'm going to have to send you some persecution to get the gospel spread. The Jerusalem church, they ended up kind of walking a, a middle of the road line to please the Jews and the, you know, Christians. God said, all right, I'll send a guy like the Apostle Paul, who wasn't an apostle at the time, and I'll spread the gospel. I'll get it out to people that will preach it fearlessly. <laughs> now, see, Frank says we should be compassionate to the Muslims and send them to their virgins. Oh, I don't get any virgins. <laughs> but, see, I, that, that doesn't bother me. I chuckle a little bit at that. Some of the super spiritual Christians are like, oh, oh that's terrible. Frank's just that way. But that, that tickles me a little bit. I, I, I don't mind that. Because you're not getting any virgins. You're not getting Virginians either. Listen, you Muslims out there, you'd be lucky to get 72 Virginians to kick you. But you ain't getting that. You're going to get hell. You're going to get hell. Just like you Roman Catholics without Christ. Without Christ. See, so, well, that's just so hard. I don't know. Why is this considered so harsh? I was reading the comments after uh, they were ripping Franklin Graham and listening to these liberal Christians. Oh, you know what? This is why the world hates us, because you just tell it like it is. How, how is this a bad thing to tell folks you're going to burn in hell, but you don't have to? You're going to burn in hell, but you don't have to. You can have Christ. Say, how? He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. So how do we get the Son? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
You believe on Christ for salvation and him alone. That have been George Michael's only hope. That have been Carrie Fisher's only hope, not Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist on that one, guys. I, I wanted to give the super spiritual Christians something to get mad at me for, and you, you, you secret Star Wars lovers, you'd be like, yay! The only hope is Christ, guys. The only hope is Christ. Coming up next, Melissa Roxanne with New World Order Info. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you next week. God bless you. from warm and almost muggy southern Indiana, and uh, we appreciate you tuning into the broadcast. Uh, We won't be able to use the option of calling in this evening because of some technical difficulties on our end, but uh, we welcome you into the chat room. Trust if you have the opportunity, you'll come on in there and uh, spend some lively conversation with some of the most intellectual people on the Internet. And uh, enjoy that if you would. Uh, We encourage you to do that. Let me mention a couple of prayer requests as we begin this evening. First of all, uh, we appreciate if you continue to be in prayer for little Helen Rose. Uh, Helen is doing very well. 
almost four years old now. Looks like she's going to be receiving treatments for the next several years until they determine that, uh, as far as they know, they've completely eradicated that leukemia from her blood system. But I know that her parents would appreciate your phone call, or excuse me, I shouldn't say your phone calls because I'm not going to give their number out, but uh, they would appreciate your prayers. And uh, just remember them in prayer. Continue to pray for our friend Shelby. And then an update on our friend Deborah down there north of Ashland, uh, North Carolina. She's had uh, quadruple bypass surgery down there and now is in a place where she is recovering and doing much better. And so uh, we praise the Lord for that and encourage you to continue to pray for her as well. Let me make mention, I know it's several months away, but Lord willing, about the middle of March uh, this year, we're going to be up there preaching for Pastor Jason Burton and the people of the Cornerstone Historic Baptist Church in Union City, Indiana. Looking forward to that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night meeting. And we will give you more information as we get closer up there. But I uh, wanted to let you know that right up front. Well, Happy New Year. Um, I'm anxiously uh, anticipating what kind of changes are going to possibly take place in this nation after the 20th of January as we spend the last all 16, 17 days or so of a hang dog down. Everybody's upset. It's everybody else in the world's fault. Liberals feeling sorry for themselves and, and look forward uh, to what may take place with the new administration. Just pray for the president. Uh, first of all, if he doesn't know Christ as his Savior, Mr. Trump needs to put his faith and trust in the only Savior of all mankind. And we encourage him to do that and encourage you to pray for him. Then pray for the transitional time, no matter what you may think, pro or con about Mr. Trump or the outgoing administration. The bottom line is this. This is one of the most fragile times uh, for the government of our nation. And uh, just pray that God will give wisdom and look forward uh, to what's going to take place. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. You know, we hear a lot of griping nowadays about government, and, and government has its place. But if you'll study your Bible, that's not our message tonight because we want to get back to talking about America's descent into tyranny. But uh, you'll realize from the Word of God that man, man's government... In other words, uh, the force, the power of government uh, that God established was, in a way, God's punishment upon the nation of Israel, first of all and foremost, because they refused to follow Him. And so man-made government is part of God's judgment, and that's something we need to realize. But we've been talking about that here on the Covenanters Call now for the past number of months. Let's continue looking into the fact that America is descending into tyranny. You know, human governments operate under laws. Absent law, there's anarchy, and no government could last long amid anarchy. Read, read of the destruction, if you would, of the civil government in France during and following the French Revolution of 1792, and you'll see there an apt illustration of how anarchy destroys government. So all governments make and enforce laws to control the behavior of the subjects and the citizens or the people over whom the government rules. In the case of post-revolution France, the answer to the anarchy that prevailed was the tyranny of Napoleon's dictatorship. You see, friends, just because a government passes and enforces laws, however, does not mean that the laws are good laws or that the government is a good or moral government. In fact, most human governments in the history of the world have passed bad or wicked laws, they themselves being bad and wicked and godless governments. A tyrannical form of government is a bad it's a wicked, it's a godless government. 
America is headed for a tyranny. You see, the laws which will characterize the American tyranny will be bad. They'll be wicked. They will be godless laws. The people will be required to honor and obey these bad, wicked, and godless laws. Lawbreakers will be tyrannized. Lawbreakers are punished. Under the American tyranny, those who do not honor and obey the bad, wicked, and godless laws will be punished. You, as a Christian living in the coming American tyranny, will be required to honor and obey the bad, wicked, and godless laws, or you will be punished. Are you ready? Are you prepared to honor and obey a wicked, tyrannical government? Do you believe that is what God wants from you? Is that what your pastors told you is required from you? Are you, will you, I should say, be willing to do this obeying because of false teaching or simply out of fear? If you refuse in any way to obey the bad, wicked, and godless laws of the coming American tyranny, you will be punished. Are you ready and prepared for that? God knows that a tyranny is coming to America. In fact, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, prophesied over 2,000 years ago of the coming tyranny in America. He did not name America specifically for any mention of America to be found, uh, 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 finding America uh, in the Bible, you won't find it specifically. However, Jesus Christ did make declarations about the state of the world in the last days. You see, America is a part of that last day's world. Jesus told his disciples and, and us what the world would be like in the last days. And Jesus spoke of the last days both before and including the time of the tribulation period. Jesus prophesied to his disciples and to us of the state of the world as it approaches the tribulation. Now, we've already established that America will in no way be aloof from or live above or be untouched by the bad things which Jesus himself prophesied will come upon the world in the last days. Do you believe this? Or do you prefer being an ostrich? The signs we've been speaking of for many, many programs are around us. They're to be found here, now, in the good old USA. But the most dependable, inescapable, accurate, and truthful delineation of these signs is from Jesus Christ himself. He mentions signs. He names them specifically. So perhaps we should take a look at what Jesus says regarding these signs. These signs are the pointers to the indicators of the American tyranny, which now looms before us. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives a most complete description to his disciples of the end days. He does this in answer to a question from them. Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. Now, before we go on, let's answer one question. Is America a part of the world? Well, the answer is yes. America is a part of the world. Therefore, when the disciples of Jesus asked him to tell them about the end of the world, without knowing of the future existence of America, 
they were including present-day America in their question. Now, does that make sense to you? All right, let's go on. In answer to their question, Jesus told his disciples first that many men would come in his name saying, I am Christ. Jesus went on to say that those men would deceive many. Has this come to pass? Is this prophecy regarding the end times coming to pass? Well, the answers are yes and yes. The most obvious and fullest demonstration of man claiming to be Christ and deceiving many is found within the Roman Catholic cult religion. Every pope claims to be the human personal representative and voice for Jesus Christ on the earth. Now, this lie, deceiving many, has been perpetrated for hundreds of years by hundreds of popes upon billions of people. The Pope is called the Holy Father and is worshipped as the Vicar of Christ by well over one billion Roman Catholics around the world. Now certainly, and with no doubt whatsoever, the Pope claims that when he speaks, he speaks the very voice of Jesus Christ. The Roman Catholic cult religion denies the literal bodily return of Jesus Christ to the earth to rule and reign. No, its false doctrine perpetrates the lie that Jesus Christ has already returned to earth and rules the earth in the form and fashion of the Roman Catholic Church organization. Therefore, Jesus Christ, through his chosen vessel, the Pope, at any particular time, is indeed ruling the earth through his church and through his man, the Pope. And friends, that lie becomes the foundation for another deception from the Roman Catholic cult religion, that no person may be saved for heaven except through the Roman Catholic Church. The deception is that if Jesus Christ now rules through the Roman Catholic Church, and if the Pope is the personal representative and audible voice of Jesus Christ on the earth, then salvation can only be through the Roman Catholic Church. An officer of the law is considered to be the personal representative and audible voice of the law. In years past, an officer might stand at the locked and barred door of a wanted man and cry out, Open up in the name of the law. Jesus prophesied to his disciples in Matthew 24, verse 5, that many will come in my name. Have you ever wondered how it might come to pass that hundreds of men would be wandering around on the earth claiming to be Jesus Christ, coming in the name of Christ? Such is not a correct interpretation of this part of the Lord's prophecy. Yes, there is the occasional some young moon who claims to be Jesus Christ reincarnate. But many coming in the name of Christ. That many is the hundreds of Roman Catholic popes through the centuries since Jesus Christ's presence on the earth, who indeed come in his name, claiming to be the human, personal, physical, audible representative of Jesus Christ. That is every bit as much as coming in the name of Jesus Christ as was that law officer standing before the door of the wanted man crying, open up in the name of the law. He was there in the name of the law. 
Was he the very express actual law? Well, no, he was not. The law, written words in a law book, was safely ensconced on a bookshelf in the local judge's chambers. But that law officer was the personal, visible, audible agent of the law. And he had the authority to represent himself as the law. So, the Pope of Rome considers that he is the personal, visible, audible representative of Jesus Christ on the earth. When he speaks, it is Christ speaking through him. When he makes a ruling, a judgment, issues a proclamation, it's the same as Jesus Christ doing so through him. Yes, that Pope considers he is and comes to the world in the name of Christ. And he believes he has the authority from Jesus Christ to represent himself as Christ because of the perverted doctrine of the Roman Catholic cult religion that claims that Jesus Christ himself established Peter as the first Pope, giving him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. By the way, that's another one of their perversions. This gross lie, perpetrated by the Roman Catholic whore for centuries, is a continuing fulfillment of the very first part of Jesus' revelation of the end times to his disciples. Many have come in his name. Is America, the United States, deceived by this lie that the Pope of Rome is to be considered as Jesus Christ on the earth? Well, it sure has been. This mere man... By the way, lost man bound for hell, posing as the visible, audible representative of Jesus Christ on the earth, commands the respect and the adoration of the United States government, from the President to the Congress. In his recent visit to America, Pope Francis held private sessions with Barry Barack Hussein Sotero Obama, the man that claims to be the President of the United States. He then held an open public meeting with the entire Congress of the United States, addressing them in a way and tenor as to be considered as giving them their marching orders for the future. While in America, Pope Francis was thronged by crowds of adoring, worshiping people wherever he went. He was cried over, kissed on, bowed to, prayed to, idolized, and exalted from politicians such as the Speaker of the House at that time, John Boehner, to the man in the street who would kiss his hand and beg for forgiveness of sins. Is this treatment reserved for other visiting foreign leaders or presidents or prime ministers to the United States? Well, no. Well, then what's the difference? What is it? that impels such worship and adoration for the man from the Vatican. I'll tell you what it is, friends. It is the false belief that this man is Jesus Christ on the earth. What other man on the earth may command such reverence and homage and veneration from such otherwise exclusive and arrogant groups like the General Assembly of the United Nations? The nations of the earth, assembled together in the form of their representatives, sat enthralled and mesmerized in the United Nations building as the Pope of Rome addressed them, 
signaling to them his desires and requirements for them to follow in order that they may rule over an earth free from war and poverty and disease and racial animosity and religious bigotry and full of peace. Why would that group of would-be world rulers give ear and audience to one man hearkening to his admonitions, giving his ideas and plans supremacy over even their own. As they listened, they were content to seek for and to take the advice and direction from this man. They placed it in high esteem and entertained unequivocal plans to carry forth on his direction for their future action as they think that they guide the progress of all the nations of the earth. What one man in the whole entire earth has such influence over the governments of individual nations like the United States or over the collective representatives of all nations like the UN except the Pope of Rome? Does he claim Christ speaking through him in the long line of popes before him who have made the same claim? Yes, he has, as those before him have deceived many. Has he deceived many? Yes, he has. If we read the account of Jesus' revelation to his disciples in the book of Luke, we find a solemn admonition from the Lord Jesus regarding those who come in his name. Luke 21, verse 8. Go ye not, therefore, after them, Jesus said. You see, friends, the whole world is going after the Pope of Rome. It is a gross error. Let me ask you a question. might be a long one, but let me ask it anyway. How will the compliance of the government of the United States to the wishes and desires and plans of this man posing as the personal representative of Jesus Christ on the earth go along with American tyranny? Well, indeed, will the intents of the Pope of Rome affect and influence and guide the developing American tyranny as it moves its gruesome self upon the people of the land? Yes, it will. Now, pay attention to the signs. They are obvious and all around us. The Pope of Rome is at the epicenter of the false idea that all religions are relevant. They're meaningful. All religions are acceptable and practical, and they're all equal as they play their part in the lives of billions of human inhabitants of the earth. You see, in a very real sense, this doctrine is a grand presentation of worldwide apostasy. The Pope of Rome calls upon the people of the world, which includes the United States, to show honor and respect and deference to all religions as they each and all contain and exalt and adhere to certain eternal truths. Will this idea expressed by the Pope of Rome, by the way, it's not his idea exclusively, but will this idea expressed by the Pope of Rome take root in America? Well, of course it will. Friends, it already has for many years. The first example of its root in the United States has been the craftily, subtly, treacherously altered idea of the so-called 
Establishment Clause of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which declares, and I quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. End of quote. Simply put, the religion spoken of by the men who composed the First Amendment is the religion of Jesus Christ. It's the faith of Christ. And only that religion which is associated with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is very God. Now check this out for yourself. I'm not going to take the time to provide the documentation to you right now. But suffice it to say that the framers of the U.S. Constitution only recognize the faith of Jesus Christ and the religion accompanying it as true religion. All other religions they rightly considered as false, in error, pagan, and heathen. Therefore, they would and did consider that the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment did not nor was it ever intended to apply to the false religions of the world. Only Christianity was in view, and it was put forth as to be conducted among the various sects of Christians in the land as they so deemed led by the Lord God to do so. This right they intended to protect through the First Amendment. No other interpretation is necessary nor is it permissible. But the perversion has been placed and accepted, has it not? Yes, friends, nearly 99.9% .9 of all Americans today believe the lie that the so-called Establishment Clause of the First Amendment was put into the Constitution as a protection for all religions and to allow and permit every person who follows whatever religion to do so freely as he's led by his false god within the borders of the United States. This perversion of the First Amendment is represented in the Pope's idea that all religions are worthy, they're valid, and they should be respected and regarded as such. This is a sign, dear listener. Therefore, the tyrannical laws regarding religion and its conduct are soon going to reign in America. Now, we've already spoken of some of the restrictions and requirements that will be placed upon American Christians as a result of this false idea. Next, Jesus prophesied to his disciples that they, now speaking of future believers and disciples, would hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now that's Matthew again, chapter 24, verses 6 through 8. Many Christians, including those who assume the mantle of explaining prophecy uh, to their fellow Christians, take small and cursory note of this particular part of the Lord's prophetic utterance to his disciples. These are specific signs, though, that we need to pay attention to. There have always been wars, they say. For centuries there have been wars, and nations have risen against nations, and kingdoms against kingdoms. There have been famines and pestilences, they say. So we're told to accept the idea that Jesus was merely speaking in, in generalities, if you please. 
and in a way which would take into account a grand, long passing of time in human history. Therefore, we cannot be very specific about this particular part of the Lord's prophecy concerning the end of the world. Amazing. Well, was Jesus answering his disciples honestly? Well, of course he was. But to be honest, he would need to be addressing the specifics of their question. Now think with me for a moment. They did not ask him to display for them a panorama of human history from 33 A.D. until the end of the world, which could be sometime far ahead in time. No, they asked him a very specific question, set in a very specific time. They wanted to know about Jesus' second coming. That's a very specific time. And they wanted to know about the end of the world. That's another very specific time. And they knew that both these events, Christ's second coming and the end of the world, were to be very close together in time. They wanted to get to the answer and quickly. There was no need for Jesus to answer their questions in generalities. And of course, he did not do so. Have you ever been reading a very interesting book? and found it so enticing to skip to the last page or the last chapter to find out how the book ended, even though you had 200 pages left to read? Yes, you have. Well, that's the mindset of the disciples as they walked along with Jesus, having just left the temple. They wanted to skip to the last page. They wanted to get the lowdown on how and when things were going to end up. So Jesus obliged them with a specific answer to a specific question. Now, bear with me here as we perform some groundwork for the correct interpretation of this section of Jesus' answer to his disciples. Yes, I know the Bible says that no scripture is by private interpretation. I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's not up to you or I to determine what God means by what he says. We can determine what God means by, first of all, what he says and what he says elsewhere within the same book. So that's going to be our goal. But friends, I find myself right near the end of the first portion of our broadcast. So before we get into the laying of this groundwork answering this question, we're going to take a break. Please stay tuned now to the second half of the Covenanters call. We'll be right back.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Through an angel to Daniel. 
of things that will occur in the last days. There in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, it's revealed to you and I that in the end of time, and I quote here, knowledge shall be increased, end of quote. Now, in general, we know how that knowledge has increased over the years. With the advent of computers, the availability of knowledge increased substantially. Then, with the coming of the World Wide Web, commonly known as the Internet, the availability of knowledge increased in leaps and bounds. There is a greater body of knowledge available today to the average person than was ever available to anyone in the past, even to scientists and PhDs and, and monarchs. After all, they say, just Google it. In fact, in the past, especially before the discovery and use of electricity in all its fabulous employments, knowledge was not widespread at all. When knowledge came to human minds through human communication, it came as a result of slow growth. It came through word of mouth, through books and newspapers, through attending schools and universities over periods of years. With the discovery of electricity, we got the telegraph, the telephone, the radio, the television, computers, the internet, smartphones, and future gadgets that we don't even know about yet. Knowledge and its availability has increased exponentially throughout the world since the last half of the 19th century. Furthermore, the acquisition of knowledge has been tremendously shortened in time as it has increased in volume. What happens in a part of the world thousands of miles away today may be known instantly all over the world. When Marco Polo took his fabled exposition to the Orient in 1271 A.D., the people in Europe didn't know a thing about it for decades. Today, when the U.S. Air Force murders suspected terrorists in Afghanistan with a drone bomb directed and guided from a secret concrete underground bunker in Colorado or Virginia, you and I can know about it instantly. We can even see the impact the destruction, and the death as it happens in real time as the drone obliterates its target. Yes, as the angel told Daniel, knowledge has increased. In fact, to be precise, the angel told Daniel these very words that are preserved in the Old King James Bible. Knowledge shall be increased. Most often we assume that this declaration deals with the amount or body or totality of knowledge or things that are known by man. And it mostly does include this idea. But the definition of this word knowledge used by the angel to Daniel also carries this meaning. Cunning. Cunning means crafty, deceitful, skillful, and ingenious. When knowledge, that is, understanding of things, increases, then the use of that knowledge in ways not before utilized may also increase. Those new uses of the new or increased knowledge may be cunning uses. They may be deceitful, but they may also be skillful and ingenious as in a way of helping people or making things better or easier or more efficient. Certainly the discovery of electricity, that's knowledge, and its many uses, that's cunning, is an example. So knowledge may be increased as in the mere size of the amount of knowledge to be known and available. 
and it may increase as it relates to its availability in time, but it also may be increased as in the ways or manners in which the things known are put to use. That's what we call technology. Today's global society is characterized by technology. In fact, nothing arising from man's present-day imagination is more driven, more moved, molded, and manipulated than is technology. In its base form, technology is the uses to which mankind puts his knowledge. And as knowledge increases in the last days, according to Daniel's prophecy, so technology increases. Technology has the power to create great and multitudinous changes in society. As it does this, society itself changes. Technology affects the ways and manners in which people operate as much or more than any other outside influence. That's why the angel told Daniel that knowledge shall be increased. Not just the mere size of knowledge grows larger or increases, or the access to knowledge in time being shortened, but the ways and manners and technologies of using the growing body of knowledge increases and expands. I believe all three of these aspects of knowledge shall be increased are included as part of the angel's prophecy. Now, if we were honest, we can easily prove that all three of these aspects of increasing knowledge have leaped forth in tremendous bounds during the last 100 years, and especially so during the last 25 years. Would Daniel 12, verse 4 not imply that we are indeed living in the last days? In Marco Polo's day, even in the days of the American Revolution, for people to become aware of things, especially something new, it took a long time to get around. Surely King George III of England, a monarch, a very important person, privy to more knowledge than most people only knew of things happening adverse to him in his Americas, colonies or months after they happened. For him, knowledge, that is the acquisition and availability of the stuff, had not increased much from hundreds of years earlier. Today, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, knows instantly about an anti-Russian uprising in the neighboring country of Ukraine, a former Russian possession. Barry Barack Hussein Sotero Obama, the pretender to the American presidency, knows instantly when a terrorist organization, organization excuse me, such as ISIS blasts Damascus, the capital of Syria, with a rocket. Both men may watch these events unfold in real time through the use of satellites which ever circle the earth looking down upon the human domain. Now, let's gather a true understanding of what Jesus told his disciples about wars and rumors of wars. In 1775, when war broke out in the English colonies in America, King George III didn't hear about it for weeks. His knowledge had not increased much. Even in 1914, when the Austrian crown prince was assassinated in Sarajevo, Serbia, people in the USA didn't hear about it for hours. 
But today, when the man posing as the President of the United States makes a declaration that we, that is the USA, may resort to military intervention to quell the ISIS uprising in Syria, the people of the entire world know about it in seconds. The rumor takes root as soon as it is uttered. Jesus told his disciples there shall be wars and rumors of wars, characterizing the end of the world, a specific time which they'd asked him about. How many rumors of a war with the nation of Iran have been spread abroad in the good old USA in the past 10, 12 years, let's say? Many. Since the presidency of George Bush Jr. and during the time of Barry Barack Hussein Sotera Obama, there have been many, many rumors of war with Iran set flying across America, across the globe. The rumors of wars in other parts of the world, it seems, come daily to our ears and our knowledge. We hear of rumors of wars almost daily. It's a common occurrence. We almost get immune to it, desensitized, if you please, to the idea that there might be another war breaking out in this or that country. Instant knowledge. Knowledge being increased concerning wars and rumors of wars is a relatively new thing for the people of the earth. I believe that Jesus put the answer right where it needed to be as he told his disciples about wars and rumors of wars. That these things in the end of the world will be common, known by all men, a fact of daily life in the end of the world. This fact has only come to be in the last 50 years or so. It began in earnest during the time known as the Cold War from about 1947 to about 1989. Yes, there have always been wars, even rumors of wars. But in the end of the world, the specific time asked about by Jesus' disciples, the wars and rumors of wars will be a significant part of daily life. When Jesus told his disciples about wars and rumors of wars, he was speaking of today, not centuries ago when the English and the French fought a war that lasted a hundred years. His disciples wanted to know specifically about the end of time, and he told them, for our learning and admonition, these are signs. Jesus' disciples, that's us or we, are not to be troubled about the imminent time of the end when we hear of wars and see wars taking place. The end is not yet, Jesus told us, or them. He reveals that these terrible wars, wars and rumors of wars, must first come before the end of the world. These are signs. The American tyranny still has time to develop and come into being before the end. Jesus broadened his revelation when he next told his disciples that nation would rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Again, one may think that such things have been going on in the world for centuries. They were occurring even in Jesus' day and the very day he was speaking to his disciples. So, for us to hear that nation is rising against nation, or kingdom is against kingdom, is no big deal. It happens all the time, and has been happening for a long, long time. This is what we hear from Bible prophecy teachers. Well, was this a prophecy with meaning, or was it not? Was Jesus merely taking up time 
as he answered his disciples? Or should we seek to understand what he told them in the context of the end of the world? That's the context of their question, after all. They didn't want to know about all the times down through the centuries when nations should rise against nation or kingdom against kingdom. They wanted to know about the end of the world. And so Jesus accommodated their request. A most obvious example of the statement by Jesus that nations should rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom was World War I. Why was that specific war called a world war? It's because a thing took place which had never, ever happened before in the history of men on the earth. That thing was the war which engulfed many of the nations and kingdoms of the world. That's why it was called a world war. And it was the first such war ever. The world had never been at war before on such a grand scale. And that particular war involved nations and it involved kingdoms. Nations, for example, Serbia, Russia, Bulgaria, and the United States became embroiled in that war. But there were kingdoms also involved. One was known as the Kingdom of Great Britain. It was in 1914 when the war began, the British Commonwealth, which spanned the entire globe. There were many nations under direct governing rule of Great Britain at that time. And then there were other nations that were a part of the British Commonwealth who enjoyed a somewhat lesser degree of kingship over them from the British monarch. Yet they all answered to the King of England. As the British liked to boast, the sun never set upon the British Empire because it was so widespread across the globe. Nonetheless, Great Britain was indeed a kingdom in 1914, and it went to war against another kingdom. That kingdom was the kingdom of Austria-Hungary, which included not only Austria and Hungary, two nations, but as a thing called the Habsburg Empire, it included parts of modern Czechoslovakia, Italy, Poland, Romania, and what became Yugoslavia. These were all nations, as Jesus declared, but they were also part of a greater kingdom, just as Scotland, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand were parts of the Kingdom of Great Britain, just as Algeria, Morocco, Indochina, French West Africa, French Guiana, and French Sudan were all parts of the Kingdom of France in 1914. Several kingdoms took part in World War I. So we see for the very first time in human history an instance of nation rising against nation and simultaneously kingdom rising against kingdom. This was a very specific occurrence in a very specific time period near the very end of the world. This world war is part of a precise answer to a precise question. Jesus' answer was as precise as the question posed by his disciples. What a world war two then? In terms of combatants, that war included far more nations as participants in World War I. It included the two great oriental kingdoms of Japan and China. In 
fact, it was these kingdoms of Japan and China which stood against one another in warfare for several years before the actual advent of what became World War II. World War II involved 61 nations representing over half the world's population. Once more, in this war, the former kingdom of Great Britain, now only a nominal kingdom, more a commonwealth, became involved as her children, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Scotland, and Malta, entered the fray on her behalf. Within a short period of 20-odd years, the world had experienced the cataclysm of two world wars, a thing never heard of or seen before in the world. Do you think that Jesus' answer to his disciples' question was specific, or was it general? The things he prophesied were very specific, as he appended them to the specificity of the question asked. His men wished to know about the end of the world. Jesus told them of the end of the world without giving them a course in world history. He went straight to the time of the end, explaining to them what it would be like. Have we had a world war since the end of the Second World War? No. It's been over 70 years as of this message, but we have been flooded and overwhelmed with wars and rumors of wars since 1945, haven't we? The USA has been involved in at least 15 wars since 1945. From about 1947 to 1989, the USA directly and the entire world indirectly were involved in what became known as the Cold War. If that so-called war was anything, it was a hotbed, a hornet's nest, a beehive of rumors of wars. For over 50, or excuse me, 40 years, the people of the earth were constantly afraid because of the threat of a worldwide nuclear war which would have meant the end of the world and the end of human civilization. Well, what happened? Did the reported death of communism in 1989 end the fears of nuclear holocaust? Well, apparently so, at least in the minds of a lot of people. However, if you read what God says about the end of the world, the very worst, most dire circumstances of a worldwide catastrophe from war is just over the horizon. It's still ahead of us. As Jesus told his disciples very specific things about the end of the world, he added that there would be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. Should his specificity concerning these things be as clear as his specificity about wars? Yes. Within a short time after the death of Vladimir Lenin in 1924, Joseph Stalin took over the reins of the Communist Party and the land known as the United Soviet Socialist Republic. In reality, the USSR was a communist tyranny then, and it remains so today. Joseph Stalin's economic policies led to the planned, premeditated murder of at least 20 million Ukrainians through deliberate programs of government starvation. That's a famine on a grand scale. Can you comprehend it? One of the accompaniments of World War II especially 
were famines and pestilences. Nowhere were there things more prevalent and widespread as in communist Russia after the Nazi invasion of that land. Millions of Russians starved to death in the Nazi-besieged cities of Russia. Disease, uh, by the way, that's pestilence, racked the Russian population in these same cities. Unless you know absolutely nothing of the Russian famines during World War II because that information has been purposely removed from the public domain. You have to do your research to find these things out. For years, there's been widespread famine in and among the nations of Africa. These famines have, for a great part, been orchestrated or aided by the governments of those African countries. No one but God will ever know how many millions of Africans have been starved to death by their own governments. That's famine. Have you been informed in detail about these famines in Africa? No. You know very little, if anything, about these famines because that knowledge has been purposely withheld from you. From 1918 to 1919, the world human population suffered from a swine flu epidemic. It's been estimated that upwards of 1% of the world population was decimated by that epidemic. This is a pestilence. No other pestilence in the history of mankind, not even the bubonic plague in Europe in the Middle Ages, accounts for more human deaths than the flu of 1918 to 1919. There's evidence that this particular flu pestilence was caused by human involvement. But a pestilence doesn't need to kill a great number of people to be called such. A pestilence, as spoken of by Jesus in answer to his disciples' questions, merely means a plague or a disease. What have we been seeing in, il in illustrative fact of Jesus' prophecy regarding pestilences in these last days? Well, we've seen the eradication of things that used to be called diseases. Things like smallpox, diphtheria, measles, typhoid, malaria, tuberculosis, even polio are very non-threatening to the human race in general. But what are the new pestilences, such as HIV, Ebola, STDs, C. diff, staph and E. coli, cancer, diabetes, and various diseases of the heart. These diseases are reported to be virulent, widespread, and often resistant to, drug, to modern drug treatments. You'd think that modern medical science would continue its victorious route of such diseases and pestilences. But just the opposite seems to be occurring. Was Jesus being specific when he told his disciples that the end of the world would be characterized by pestilences? Did he not know that even though men gathered great knowledge and understood how to use that knowledge in cunning ways in the end of the world, that pestilence would, pestilences would accompany those very days? Most of us are acutely aware of the diversity in the spread and occurrence of earthquakes across the globe. In 2011, several earthquakes struck Japan as the result of a tectonic plate shifting off the coast of that island country. Earthquakes are, indeed, occurring all over the earth. 
each year it seems as if these quakes are taking place in geographical areas not subject to quakes in the past. And as geologists who study earthquakes get better at their business, we're told that the probability of more quakes and greater and more destructive quakes increases yearly. Do these people know something that only Jesus knew when he answered his disciples' question? Or did Jesus merely prophesy what we are seeing today in a very specific way? The earthquake in Japan destroyed the nuclear power plant of Fukushima. Since then, that slowly dying plant poisoned the oceans of the world with nuclear radiation. Sea creatures by the millions are perishing, especially in the Pacific Ocean. Scientists and governments are telling us that they don't understand the source of this death in the oceans. Of course, they're lying to us. In a sense, this is a pestilence among the sea creatures of the Pacific. How many living sea animals in the Pacific Ocean are harvested and sold to the consuming human population of Earth who may in the future time be adversely affected by the harmful nuclear radiation in the bodies of those animals? What would such a pestilence be called? The New Madrid earthquake of 1811 caused the Mississippi River to flow backward for three days. The loss of life was minimal due to the low population density. Today, that same fault line, the New Madrid Fault, is held by scientists who study earthquakes as a great potential danger to the country. What was little populated in 1811 along that fault line, western Tennessee, southeastern Missouri, southwestern Illinois, and northeastern Arkansas, is now heavily populated. If an earthquake similar to that of 1811 were to occur along that fault line, the death toll and destruction would be horrendous. Small tremors occur on a regular basis along the New Madrid fault line. Folks that live 150 miles distant from that line often feel those tremors. Well, friends, this is the Covenanter's Call. We're going to have to break there until our next broadcast for this week. But once again, I would love to hear from you. You can write to me, Pastor Mike Hoover, 2569 North State Highway 337 in Orleans, Indiana, 47452. Send me an email, the muggy own at net. T-H-E-M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N at C-L-E-A-N-I-N-T-E-R dot net. Or give us a phone call, 812-653-5578. You folks stay tuned now for two hours of American Independence with Aladask and Ernie Sanders coming on at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. The Frank Report at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. We're finished. I hear the music. Until we meet you again on the airwaves, may God bless you is our prayer. Hey, have a great evening.
and then to the superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
face, the world is in turmoil. Most just don't realize it, but we are in the time of the end, and that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get out of sin the world and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. If you need help after this program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your phone number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. 620-878-4682. In an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. And, of course, it's 2017. You know, even though I changed my call notes thing... I still said it. Is it going to be hard to get used to for you folks? It probably will for me, so we'll just see. But, of course, it's 2017, and you can always find the updates with the breaking news on the Wichita Mission Church radio program archives, contact information, all at our ministry hub, which is very simply prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Remember, prayer requests can be sent by United States Postal Service and email with your return address and or your phone number to call you back. These requests will be taken to the Wichita Mission Church, anointed with oil, prayed over, and sent back to you in our request with no solicitations for donations. And we do have a prayer request form on the right-hand side of our Prophecy Hour and MessiahsBranch.com pages. So, check it out. Get in contact with us. And uh, just like I got a fellow that got in contact with me from New Zealand um, this last week and pointed out a a new radio guest to check out, and I will be checking him out. But we do get listened to all over the world. That's right. We're a national satellite radio program, which is simulcast on the net internationally, YouTube, and it's on some FM stations that pick us up. So pray about supporting our time. Folks, we haven't paid our time yet this month, so pray about it. We do need to get that paid. On another note, Let's thank our listener base that is worldwide in places like, okay, here we go, Kampala, Uganda, Nairobi, Kenya, Mogadishu, Somalia, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Moscow, Russia, and of course there's places in the good old USA like Raleigh, North Carolina, New York, New York, Henderson, Nevada, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Fresno, California, Oakland, California. And these are just to name a few, of course. But let's not forget Wichita, Kansas, which remains the largest group of listeners to our radio programs, at least when they podcast later on tonight. And why I am starting to get some help out of Wichita specifically from, it's amazing what one man over in Wichita has been doing once, uh, you know, being inspired by radio and the, the call by the Father to help. Um, and what he has, he has went out and the, the amounts that he's brought in, um, in food and all kinds of other things and cash donations, you know. So what I'm saying is, folks, Wichita is your city. Pray about it. You know, if several of you people in Wichita that hear us, because we have a large group of listeners over there, would get involved, you know, it would really help. And here's a big thing for Wichita. Clothing and blankets. Clothing and blankets. You know, we had a connection to go to another city to get our clothing, and we lost that connection um, due to them having a, a financial problem at their uh, second-hand store. So the, we need clothing. We need it badly. Women's, men's, children's, all of it. Wichita, Kansas, if you haven't got anything else that you can give, 
give clothing and blankets. Now, prayer, we'll get on tonight's guest. This will be the first program of the year because the first program was a rerun earlier because of first of the year problems. So, but I'm very glad to have a guest on we're going to have tonight. And so let's pray and get him in here. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua Hamashiach's name, I pray. Father, I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and not mine, Father. And please give everyone out there ears and wish to hear the truth. Most please, Father Yahweh, bless this program tonight. In your son, Yeshua Hamashiach's mighty name, amen and amen. Well, folks, that was the first of the year started for you, folks. I've had a lot of mishaps up and down, you know, cold out there for most of us, I would guess, and snow in some places. Like, you know, it looks like global warming's at its all-time high, right? You know, we just heard that there was record Arctic ice or was it Antarctic ice. I don't know, but it was record-breaking. Anyway, it really feels like global warming. Maybe this year we'll get the truth out. That is, maybe, even if we even get the president in. Well, there's a lot about that. Today we saw the Armed Services Committee once again talk about Russian hacking without showing any real proof. And then they double talk saying that, oh, while the Russians did it, they did not, he, the Russians didn't change the outcome of elections. And they still offered no real proof. And they, and for the record, these supposed observers that got hacked, they have not even subpoenaed the servers and looked into the servers themselves. There's just some secondhand company that says it's the Russians, and they haven't even checked it out for themselves. It's bogus information. So why is it? Well, tomorrow is the day that they officially count the electoral votes, and my guess is to try to change that, you know, because they just can't accept it. Today, I'm going to bring Frank Stefan on with us to talk about this and more, as he's very informed about these things. As you know, most of you are now Frank is a founder of American Voice Radio and he is a talk show host of a very popular program that he does I think it's twice daily called the Frank Report so let's get Frank on here and, and let him sound off about this welcome Frank are you with me or are you just I am lollygagging Dan. I am oh. Dan well being just, on your show is lollygagging isn't it <laughs> well, it always seems to go so fast whenever you come on. I don't know why that is. You just shoot the time up or something, you know? I, I don't get it. I, I got the machine over here where I crank it up. Uh, well, hey, how about let's crank up that machine to get me to the 20th. I am going nuts on what all these people are doing. Well, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I look back at the Obama regime when it started and, you know, there were a lot of unhappy people. I was one of them, uh, you know, although I, I wasn't as unhappy as I would have been if the Republicans would have had a candidate that was any good at all. But both times, I mean, John McCain and Mitt Romney, come on. You know, I, I yeah, Obama yeah. was worse, but those weren't much better. You know, yeah. so, yeah, you know, nobody uh, was really rioting in the streets and trying to, you know, oh, let's do a recount, let's do this, let's do that, let's say he didn't really win, let's whatever, let's, you know, and this is a guy who got in there and he had, he had less experience doing anything than Donald Trump has. I mean, people can say, well, Donald Trump hasn't been in politics, and okay, you can say that, but is that true? I don't think it is, because maybe he, listen, this is a guy who, uh, you know, and I'm not just making this up, I'm not just dreaming this up, every one of the candidates 
in the Republican primaries at the first debate started hammering the guy because, hey, you've given money to Democratic politicians. And he told him right there on the stage, I've given money to every politician that's ever asked me for money. And you know why? Because when I call him on the phone, they talk to me. And I can get things done. And that's what you got to do in business the way it is now. And if you don't like that system, then vote for me. You know, yeah. I mean, so the guy has been involved in politics. Okay? What do you think that is when you buy off a politician? You're involved in politics. And what do you think it is when uh, the CEOs get together and they're trying to make a deal? Well, that's politics. You know, they can call it business, but business is politics. So he has experience in politics. Obama, what was he? He was a community organizer. Let me translate that to everybody out there. That is a communist agitator. All right, and if you don't believe me, go read some of the works of the uh, founders of the worldwide communist revolution, you know, Trotsky and Lenin and Beria. Go read their works, and you'll find out that exactly what Obama was doing, they call it community organizers. They're, co- they're communist agitators, and, and it's not by, oh, hey, what an idea I came up with. No, this is a plan, this is an agenda that the worldwide communist revolution has had from the very beginning, and it's very effective. Right. And that's his only, that was his only what? Then he was a state representative? Okay, great. Uh, so are 50 million other people. And then what? Oh, he got to be senator. Uh, And that whole thing, how he got to be senator, was a big Democratic Party hack job anyway. I mean, because what they did to the uh, Republican there, I mean, they were like, oh, let's, you know, let's pull out some dirt on this guy. So he drops out. And then what does the Republican Party do? They throw the race to Obama because I'm sure they made an inside deal because I know that goes on. It went on right here in Jackson County, Oregon years ago. Uh, it was found out because one of my friends was running for uh, county commissioner as a Republican. He won the Republican primary, and the reason why was because the Republican Party put up nobody because they didn't want to win that seat because they made a deal that, hey, uh, if you don't run anybody against our two seats, we won't run anybody against your one seat. And that was the deal they made, and I think the, the Republicans made the same deal in Chicago. But the thing is, then Alan Keyes, who is a very, very smart man, but the the problem was, he was from Maryland. Okay, so he gets imported into (laughs) Illinois to run for this thing, and nobody's, everybody's going, you know, Alan Keyes is a black guy, so it wasn't that, oh, well, we're not voting for, no, he was a black guy. Thing is, the people are going, well, wait a minute, we're not going to vote for somebody from another state. You know, you kind of wish the New Yorkers would have done that with Hillary Clinton, who's not from New York. But, hey, you know, so, okay, so then he gets to be senator through, you know, hook or crook. And how many years was he senator? Two. Two years out of a six-year term. That's it. That's all his experience. And these people have the nerve to say that, oh, Donald Trump has no experience. These people are completely, well, a lot of them are delusional because, sadly, many of these people actually believe what they say. But then there's a whole other group of just straight-up, hardcore liars. 
Right, absolutely. You know that um, there is a there is an over. I don't remember exactly what the margin is. Maybe you saw it, but uh, I know Ramerson did another poll, and over um, it's well over fifty percent of the Democrats, you know, that they polled said they do hope Donald Trump succeeds. I don't, I think it's really just, it's a smaller, these liberal, I don't know what you would call these people. Um, I, I don't even know if liberals are right word for them, because like you say, some of them are delusional. I think they're sheeple, and I think they're being led around by that fringe that is just purely communist, like Soros and the rest of them, that's paying the rest of them off. Oh, I agree, because, you know, these, none of these protests uh, have been spontaneous. None of them are grassroots. It's been found out over and over and over again in city after city after city that they've been paid. I mean, even in, in Ferguson, these guys were trying, were going to sue Eric Holder because he didn't come through with the money that he promised for, yeah. the, for the riots. I mean, you know, th th this is... Yeah, they were supposed to get 5000 bucks a month and they didn't get paid fast enough. That was hilarious. Although some of us... There, there's an amazing thing. Um, it makes you wonder how many people do listen to talk radio because, you know, a, a lot of these things that are coming out like revelations like that, for one, talk radio, whether it's your program or my program, I know on AVR for sure, you know, these things were exposed right at the first, but it was like, you know, it, it doesn't hit anything, you know, and then people come up that they're a great big revelation, but you know, hey, it's just like whether it's Benghazi or what it is, we had the story right from the very first, and sometimes before, what do you think? Yeah, well, that's true, and you know, look, this, this whole thing about you know, the the media out there, the mainstream saying, oh, fake media. You know, this is so obviously the child out there. And the Democrats have done this, this whole election cycle, pointing the finger, making accusations that only actually apply to them. Okay? While they're pointing, you know that old saying, when you point your finger at somebody, four more point back at you, right? Well, right. this has never been so true in this, this <laughs> election cycle with the Democrats. Everything they accuse almost anybody of is actually them. But, you know, that's right. a long-standing tactic. Be the first to accuse and then make everybody else defend, and while they're busy defending, nobody's attacking you. Yeah, absolutely. Just like it's, it's still absolutely amazing that the big, the, and the, the most American people don't seem to get it or they're just not saying it, but they're so worried about whether or not Russians hacked it, which, you know, I, I completely believe it wasn't them. I believe Assad, but they missed the whole point. The they're not denying the things that came out, which is far damaging than the Russians hacking. And if the Russians did it, they did us a favor by exposing it. But what they have the committee today, what do you think about that Armed Services Committee today? Well, I, I think it's just a, a, a it's a bunch of BS. It's just a showboat of the insiders. Listen, the, the intelligence community needs an enemy. They gotta have an enemy, okay? They have to, or they cannot justify their budgets or their jobs. And why? You know, and some people are like, "Well, why Russia though? Why not China? Well, why not China? Because China is a business partner, okay? They can't afford to make China an enemy. But Russia, right. we don't do that much trade with, 
And, uh, you know, all, you know, people still have in their mind, you know, the evil empire and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, okay, so Russia's a real good thing. There's, there's a lot to gain and little to lose. You start picking on the Chinese, you might gain something, but you're going to lose an awful lot because they're not going to take that, and they don't have right. to. And right. they have leverage that the Russians yeah. don't have. You know, the Russians got nukes, and they got an army that is comparable to ours. And uh, I have to say, sadly, that actually Russian hardware has now surpassed U.S. hardware because of our decades-long of, of corruption is really what it comes down to. And that's what always happens when corruption becomes rampant. Things don't get done right because people are too busy skimming off the top, shortcutting on everything so they can steal money. And that's what's gone on with our uh, defense industry. And now we've got an F-35 that doesn't fly right. We've got an aircraft carrier that nothing on it works. Nothing. Not even the catapults work. The radar doesn't work. The missile systems don't work. Nothing works on it. Now we have no carriers out anywhere. They're all in port. And one of the reasons why, now the Eisenhower just got back from a seven-month tour. That's a long time to be locked on a boat. Right. So, you know, they're coming back, and, uh, you know, that, and that's hard on a ship, too. You know, when you're in combat operations, everything's running all the time, and that wears things out. And it's coming back for its refit, and the crew needs liberty, and, and they got to do this. Well, they were supposed to be... Replaced, you know, they're meet right, halfway right. in the Atlantic Ocean with the other carrier going the other way, saying, "Okay, we just got back from port. Now we're going to take your place." Well, that didn't happen because the H. W. Bush, and I'm disgusted that they named anything after him. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is, the thing's still in the shipyards. They it's six months overdue out of the shipyards. Our shipyards can't even get anything out in time. And I'm sure the cost is overrun, too. So now we have no aircraft carriers out on anywhere. You know, that's the first time since World War II, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and not to mention, okay, then we've got the littoral fleet, which means, you know, the littoral is the, the, the shallow water, you know, like 100 miles from the coast, right? Well, right. the U.S. Navy's designed a whole fleet just for there, you know, flat-bottom boats to go in, and, you know, and that's good thing to have. Well, they don't work either, okay? They don't work either. They can't even make those, and they don't work. So we have some real problems. Then there's a the question of our nuclear arsenal in the first place. Has it been maintained? Does it still work? When was the last time they tested it? Nobody knows because it's a big secret. I've got, you know, given the rest of the military's performance, I'm thinking, uh-oh, you know, that's probably not good that we don't know. Then add that to the morale crisis in the military, and if you don't think there is one just because uh, NBC hasn't told you about it, you're wrong. The soldiers are not happy with having to serve next to homosexuals and transsexuals. They're not happy about it. The training levels have been brought down because they let women in the combat roles, but women can't do combat roles, so they right. had to lower the standards. Oh, you, you used to have to do 100 push-ups? Well, now you only have to do 25. And, oh you, can do it while, and you can do it while you're on your knees. You don't have Are to do a real push-up. No, oh, I'm not kidding you. Push up. So they that, lowered all these They lowered all these standards, and, you know, real soldiers are thinking, now, wait a minute, this isn't good for us, because, you know, uh, this ain't a game. We're actually training here to go to a war where people are going to be trying to kill us. And, uh, you know, we need to be de able to depend on each other. And you're lowering the standards to where 
We can't depend on each other. That that's not good for morale. And then you got the quality of the soldiers. Why do most kids go in the military? And look, I don't mean to insult any of the kids going in the military who are actually going in there because they've been brainwashed into thinking they're serving their country, they're protecting our rights, and yada, yada, yada. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Not one soldier in my lifetime has ever done a thing to protect my rights. They've been off killing people all around the world for no good reason. And, I, you know, that's not their fault. They're just, they, you know, I didn't know. I spent three years in the military, and I didn't know, you know what it was. I didn't think, oh, oh, gee, what am I doing? You know, I should do something else. It took me three years to figure that out. But, you know, at first, I didn't know. I just went in. And so I apologize to the kids who actually think they're wrapped in red, white, and blue and doing their country a favor. But that's not most of the kids. Most of the kids are going in the military for the same reason I did, and that's because they don't have any other options they can see. Right. Not everybody's right. suited to go to college. Not everybody, and, and kids know, I can't live pumping gas. You know, I can never, I can't afford my car insurance, rent, and, and food, man. I can, I can afford one of those things on my salary from the gas station. Right. You know, so right. what's my choice? I guess I'll go in the military. I hear they got good benefits and decent pay and all that. So they're mercenaries. Well, mercenary right. armies, uh, they never work out real well. Right, right. Well, you know, and they, they have uh, kids who also go into for that college benefit. They think that they're going to get money for college and everything. And, and the great big uh, reenlistment bonuses, that turned out real well. There's a whole bunch of uh, military people being called back to pay their military bonuses back because of the Obama administration. Yeah, and then they said, oh, well, wait a minute. Actually, now that you've given them back, we'll give them back to you. Yeah, that's, that's just ridiculous. So they don't even know what they're doing about it. And, you know, I mean, between, well, since Clinton, okay, and, you know, I mean, I'll give Ray, uh, Ronald Reagan that because I'm not a fan of Ronald Reagan, but I'll give Ronald Reagan that. He did not destroy the U.S. military, okay? Yeah. But Bill Clinton did, and, and Bill Clinton started, he started slow uh, because all he did was he started replacing the upper echelon uh, command structure with basically democratic sycophants okay yeah. but after that man you know then Bush got in there and basically ran the military into the ground because you can't have a couple of decades of constant well, ongoing war Frank I hate to interrupt you but we've got to go to a break people tune into the Frank Report we'll be back in three minutes And then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. 
It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulphur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Pastor Dan Catlin, you're listening to the Science Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. And it is, folks, 2017. I'm going to repeat that again. I don't know, it got off right for some of you folks, and, and for others, it, it seems like it's stuck in the mud. And I will go venture to say that we are going to have a lot of good guests coming up this year. Um, we've got some, uh, Joel Richardson will be on in, in February, but we've got some great guests starting, uh, well, tonight we've got a great guest on break. But now it's time to talk just a little bit about the Wichita Mission Church because, uh, well, that's what we do. Anyway, um, I wanted, I've got this card in front of me, and, you know, 
the uh, it was sent to me by uh, a news reporter, and I haven't noticed his name. Now, mind you, my wife uh, gets most of the handles the mail that comes in the mail, and you know she writes thank you notes. By the way, you folks that have sent donations by the U.S. Postal Service, she's making out thank you notes that she'll get done within the next week. That's what she does once a year. We're fixing to start another newsletter out. Um, we've been praying, trying to pray in a laser print to get it done with, but even if not, we're going to do it the old-fashioned way because it costs a lot of money, but we are going to start sending everybody that sends us a donation to the United States Postal Service will receive a, a, a letter every month, but normally she makes thank you notes out once a year. Having said that, anyway, this is a, a new, uh, I haven't noticed this gentleman before, and uh, it's dated on 12-29-16, and this came to the Wichita Mission Church, and he says, Pastor Dan, I listen to your podcast every week in North Carolina. I don't have much money, but the Lord meets my needs. And close, just $10. This is all I can give at this time. I will be praying for you, your brother. And I'm not going to give you his name, of course. But, brother, if you're listening, I, I do really appreciate that. And, you know... It always seems like people say, well, I don't have enough money to give. And, Brother, you set a fine example. This is it's pointed out in the Word that, that the widow's might is more powerful. Your $10 that you really couldn't afford is more powerful than thousands of dollars sent because that's a donation that comes from the heart. And the other thing that I want to point out is this, is, you know, we have, we have, I can't even count the numbers of the people that listen to our radio program. If just a thousand of you, thousands and thousands of people that listen to our radio program would all send in $10 or even $10 a week, um, it would make a huge difference. You know, I know I have out there on this radio program, there's people listening to me tonight that could very well write a check for $1,000 and it wouldn't hurt their bank account at all. But, you know, I don't know why they don't. I know a lot of them think, well, everybody else is going to donate and so on and so forth. And I could go back to that old story that talks about um, the people and the wine vat and all that, but I'm not going to do that. People in general think that other people donate and their donation won't count. Well, it adds up, folks. And you know who usually sends the donations that adds up? It's, it's people that don't have the money. People like this, that makes a $10 sacrifice and it makes a difference. And so, you know, I really appreciate no matter how much you send, and the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. And, you know, you can donate online or mail a check or money order, but, you know, we really do need your help. You know, for seven, this last 17 years, we have been trying earnestly to make a difference in Wichita, Kansas. By doing that, from you folks, people like this gentleman that sent me this $10, we've been able to help thousands upon thousands of people. I can't tell you how many women we've saved from the street. We haven't been able to save all of them, but we've saved a large number. Or how many people we've saved their life from the freezing weather. Or how many people, I, I mean, I've saved people's frostbit toes that, that couldn't be damaged and we saved them. We saved people's lives through maybe even something as simple as a, of them having a heart attack. We 
give them uh, aspirin and it stopped the heart attack and we give them aspirin to go because they can't even afford to buy a bottle of aspirin to take like the doctor prescribes medications over-the-counter medicines I don't know how many of you folks out there are suffering from colds and hay and all those other things but most of you can just go out to the pharmacy and get something or call my doctor and I got something man boom well you know for people that are poor they can't even manage any of that even if they get go to the emergency room and walk out with a prescription do they don't have the money to fill it we get why well, don't write prescriptions i give over counter medications or we do it's not i it's actually you and the lord i'm just a conduit and i you know it's like i catch a ball and i pass it on you know i catch it and i pass it on i catch it and i pass it on catch it and i pass it on and that's the way it is with the money that goes yeah it's uh and so we do the best that we can on next to nothing you know and the other thing about this ministry you know i, I over the years i've been asked to participate in other people ministries that could have went on and been involved in a great big ministry or even its opportunities to make our ministry something different than it was and bigger and beyond bigger programs and things like that you know but I'm not after fame I'm not after all those things and you know I really don't care about money as long as I can raise my family that's fine but the point is is there's a lot of other things that I could have did than um taking care of the homeless and poor but the father kept me up all night to do what I'm doing and I'm obedient and I'm so just happy to serve him and so yeah I could have did a lot of other things but I don't care about a lot of other things I'm more than happy to be doing the father's work you know I'm about the father's business just like you sure was about his father's business um, you know he what did he do let's see he healed the sick what do we do? Well, we pray for the sick, and many times they're instantly healed. And if not, we do the normal first aid thing. Um, oh, didn't he miraculously? He served food to people. He did. We served food to people. What did he witness to? To among the sinners and the poor. Oh, we're in one of the worst parts of Wichita, Kansas. A lot of people are afraid to even stick their nose into. But we're there ministering to who? The poor and the sinners. So um, I guess I've been in pretty good company. And I really don't care what people think of me. Um, I, I really don't. You know, and, and let alone if you hear some of the stories from disgruntled people that I've had to kick out. Well, Pastor Dan, well, most everybody that comes to me says, oh, I heard great things about you. Well, there's a whole list of people in Wichita that don't like me, you know, because I've stood up to them, whether it's to, stood up to the bureaucracies over there and everything else that slander me and make all kinds of lies. Well, that's fine, because if people weren't making up stories about me, then I'd think I was doing something wrong, because we are supposed to be persecuted for it, right? So I don't care. But, folks... Again, if you beat like this, this man, you know, uh, that sent $10, if you can make a sacrificial gift, we can really use it. My wife is just telling me today, and she says, well, did any money come in the mail today? And I said, no, well, there was a $50 donation that came in the mail today. And she said, oh, boy, here I go. i got to call the electric company, you know, about putting off our bill. And so, folks, pray about a donation tonight for Wichita Mission Church. Um, again, you can do it online, cash, check, money order, any way that you want. 
but pray about it. We do really need your help because we sell nothing. I've had an opportunity to sell things like like food products, you know, dehydrated food and stuff, which I strongly believe in too, but my conscience wouldn't let me do it. So, because I, I couldn't tell you to go out, uh, go out there and buy storage food, which I believe in, but I just felt like I'd be a hypocrite if I was selling it at the same time, you know, so I just couldn't do it. But pray about it. We do really need your help. And share these radio programs with everybody else and pray for this presidency. Um, but anyway, uh, you can contact me. You know how to do it. Go to our prophecyhour.com. And let's bring Frank back on. Because i got a lot of other things I want to ask him about. So you still with me, Frank, or did you leave? Yeah, I left. Okay. But as long as you're gone, that's fine. We can talk. <laughs> you can talk behind my back. Well, that'd be kind of impossible since how you're also the producer, you know. Oh, there's that. There's that, yeah. And you have to listen to your own program. You have to listen all the time. But anyway, moving right along. One last thing on, on a, uh, about tomorrow. I wanted to point out to the people uh, about that. Tomorrow, it, now, is that, do I have that right? Tomorrow's the day that the Electoral College or the Congress meets and confirms what the Electoral College said, right? Uh, I think. I'm not sure, though. I got I to gotta check. Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty sure somebody said that today, and that, that's why it struck me. Oh, that was just the, that's why they came out with this Russian thing that was all over TV today. But if not, is that still I believe is the main purpose? Now, is there anything that could stop that? I mean, you know, is there an option? Do they have an option to stop that, or no, or is it just absolutely? Well, you know, theoretically they could, because if Congress won't certify the vote from the Electoral College, then, uh, you know, but they have to, you know, it had Congress is like 535, and they, I don't know if it's a simple majority or a super majority, but they got to have uh, enough people to do that, and if they did that, then they would elect a president. Right. So right. theoretically, yeah, they could, but uh, realistically, uh, I don't think they, I don't think they've got it going on, and plus it would create uh Turmoil. I mean, can you yeah. imagine if if after all this, Congress said, oh, you know what, uh, hey, we've decided that uh, Trump's not going to be your president. We've picked somebody else. Can right. you imagine how America would react to that? I don't think they want any part of that. No, I, I, I don't either. I don't think that they're that stupid. But, you know, I still, but with this last election cycle, I have I've seen so many things that just, I mean, anything was, seemed like it was up. But one thing I did notice, I'll say this, and then i got to ask you about something I know that you said enraged you. But um, it's like this. I do honestly believe that I I I can't say thus saith the Lord, but with all that has came against Donald Trump, I do believe that there has to be God involved in it. And so, um, if he came this far, I don't think he's going to leave it hanging now. Anyway, well, no, that, unless, unless you know, unless God's decided to destroy America right now, because that's what would happen. Uh, yeah. Because I know for one, I wouldn't stand for that. You know, I mean, if they did something like that, then any law that any government thought they wanted to enforce with me would be met with deadly force if they tried to come near me. 
it would right. be war, okay, in other words. Because if they pull something like that, they have lost all legitimacy, all authority, and it would just be the collapse of this country. So, you know, I mean, if God, if it's time, because I think that's going to happen here in the near future anyway, but, uh, you know, yeah. if t tomorrow is the day, well, then... Then it's tomorrow today. today, you know, I mean, but I, I don't I don't believe that's what's going to happen. Although I really do believe that the Democrats will challenge uh, right. count just just symbolically like they did with Bush. You know, this is not something that, you know, has not only never happened, although it hasn't happened often. I think it's only happened like four or five times. And the last time was Bush's election. Right, right. And what they need, see, all they need is they need one uh, representative, representative and they need one senator. And that's all they need to challenge the vote. And then they have to go, okay, then they got a procedure and they go through and they take a vote. And then they have, well, they have debates and then they take a vote. And mainly they, they did that. And if they do it this time, I think they'll do it just so they get to have their chance to get up right. on C-SPAN and, uh, you know, say why they hate Donald Trump. Here's why I hate Donald Trump, you know? I mean, and they call it debate, and then everybody will sit and, uh, 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 is it over yet? All right, let's vote. Trump's in. You know, that's, that's right. that. But So I think it's going to be symbolic, but, you know, I, I, I view the Russian thing as a much, a much greater long-term threat to Trump's presidency than anything that they're going to do uh, to the sure. electoral college, you know, challenge it. Okay, fine. You know, I, I think you know. I read why well, I don't put too much heat in Facebook. You know, uh, I did notice something on it today that that pointed out that said that the, one of the reasons why the the, the globalists hate uh, Russia so much and want to use them as a scapegoat is because Russians are globalists. Uh, they're kind of independent, and you know, I I think they're my greater thing is I think they they would love to have a small war, but I don't think they want nuclear war. But they would like to drive a wedge between the cooperation between the United States and Russia, um, afraid that it would just bring down their global order, you know. Well, it really but, would. It, it really would. And, and, and the Russians are not only, you know, they gave their little version of globalism a chance. And it didn't work for them. It was called the Soviet Union, which was basically a mini New World Order. Right. Okay, the West was doing their thing, and, and the Soviet Union got them in Eastern Europe and a couple of places, you know, Cuba, Vietnam, places around the world that went along with them, and they did their New World Order, One World thing, uh, and saw how it worked. It collapsed them. It crushed them. It, it ruined their people. Okay, and they decided, good golly, we don't want to do this anymore. So now they're more like, uh-uh, no, no, we're not going along with your new world order. We've already been there, done that, thanks. Uh, we'll pass on that. And they're smart, and we are actually, look, Russia is part of Europe. Right. And we have a natural... A natural look. There's atheists in in Russia, of course. You know, there's atheists here. You know, I was just reading a thing, Dan, that uh, a new study out that 25 percent of all Americans, 25 percent, and they are now the largest religious group 
in America. And that religious group is when you ask, what religion are you? And their answer is none. Really? Yep, 25%. Catholics are at 21%. And, and, you know, so the thing is, you know, so we can't point to, right, oh, well, there are atheistic communists. Uh, well, I bet you they got more Christians in Russia than we have here as a percentage of our population because we got a lot more people than they do. But, you know, and they're predominantly white predominantly Christian. Now, they're Christian Orthodox, okay, so, right. you know, that might not be what most people practice in the United States, but they still believe in the Savior. Right. Okay, that, right. and Jesus is the one unifying thing, okay? That's the one thing, is Jesus, okay? Right. If you don't believe in Jesus as the Savior, then you're out. That's it. There's only one name. You got to. You have to. That's one thing. No matter what we can butt heads against or about, there is nobody, not a not, nobody, getting there unless they confess Yeshua Hamashiach or Jesus Christ, or whichever you want to call it. Um, that is. That's it. I mean, you have to do that, and you know we can debate about all the other things about it, but that has to be only one name. Only one name. Well, um, and, and Russia and the United States uh, are actually very natural allies. And what's keeping us not allies is an unnatural thing called the New World Order, the United Nations, the One World Government. That is an unnatural situation, okay? It is not natural for us all to go, oh, oh, let's all be in one big bucket, you know, because we are tribal. And that's the way it is. Our family units are what we're all about. People, that is our natural way, okay? To be with our families, to be with our neighbors, to be with our friends, to group up with people like ourselves. That's what everybody does. You know, it's natural. So it's unnatural to go into that situation and say, hey, listen, uh, we're going to throw you on a bus and we're going to uh, drive you over here to people that are completely different than you and you're going to spend all day with them every day. How's that? You know, that is not natural. And there's always going to be conflict when that happens. And that's what the New World Order is all about. And they say, well, right. no, it's diversity in this. No, it's unnatural. Okay? And that's the difference right. between natural allies and unnatural allies like we can be look the, the chinese are an unnatural ally we have one right. thing in common we like to make money but everything else is not not compatible and the chinese realize this and they don't want to be like the united states and they're, you know and and i don't think many americans want to be like chinese we don't mind doing business together but that's that we don't you know we don't want right. much more but russia they are very much like us. They're very much like other Euro Western Europeans. They're just like us, you know? I mean, right. we have a lot in common other than let's make money. Okay. I've got to get to I want to get this out. That was really important, but this is what I want to talk about a minute, and we've only got about five or six minutes left. Facebook refuses to explain explain why live video of attack wasn't removed sooner, and the liberal media pundits all over the place are saying, well, we don't think this was a hate crime. What do you think, Frank? <laughs> well, I can't say what I think on the air, uh, but uh, I'll uh, give you the Reader's Digest uh, children's version of it. I'm, I'm disgusted 
by it, and and it just goes to show. And you know who really disgusts me? I mean, look, crazy animals will do what animals do. And why do I call them animals? It's not because they're black dirt bags. It's it's because listen, men help the weak. They right. men try to protect the weak. Animals attack the weak. Because you see, an animal doesn't want to fight. An animal just wants what it wants. And right. it's easier to take what you want from somebody who's weak. So an animal attacks the weak. That's how it goes in the wild, and that's what animals are about. But man views the weak as somebody to protect, somebody to help, somebody to assist, certainly never somebody to attack. And that's why I call them animals. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got to do with what you do. You act like an animal, I'm going to call you an animal. And that's what these, these, and they call them, oh, children. No, they're 18 and 20, and, and you know, these are not children. Well, people are going, where, where's their parents? Who cares where their parents are? They're 18 years old. Are, are you supposed to be still suckling on mommy at 18 years old? What do you mean, where's their parents? Who cares where their parents are? You're 18 years old. You know, when I was 18 years old, I was in basic training in the Army. Nobody was saying, well, where's your parents at? You know, where are my parents at? You know, it doesn't matter. I'm an adult now, and, and this is what's going on. And then you have the President of the United States going, well, you know, it's too early to say. Oh, really? Was it too early to say with uh, uh, when, oh, Trayvon Martin could have been my son, or, or that black uh, radical professor who the cops arrested oh the police had oh, yeah. stupidly before he knew anything about the case he sure shot his mouth off about that but now that some retarded white kid gets kidnapped and tortured by four black animals uh, he's got nothing to say and his his press secretary at the White House says, "Oh well, you know, it might not it might not be a hate crime." And then you got uh, commentators on CNN saying, "Oh, I don't think it was evil." Really? Then what is evil if that's not evil? Right. Absolutely. That's been their pattern though through all about Obama's presidency. We've seen, or I have anyway, I've seen lots and lots of Americans, white people, being attacked. Whether you know they they had that punch out game. Remember we had a guy right. that talked about it on radio and the knockout game, and it was done by blacks against whites to see if they could knock it out. And they would when they did catch him, they would never ever call it a hate crime. But if you reversed that, they would lock the person up forever or execute them if they could you know well, I mean? and I don't know if you know about these these 18 year old animals that did this but it wasn't just see what makes it even worse okay is that it wasn't just a random oh here's four little gang bangers who see a kid and grab them and kidnap them no this kid was a friend of one of they went to school together and they knew each other he was a friend with one of these animals okay his parents dropped him off at McDonald's to meet up with him so he could spend the night over at his house right uh. yeah that's the kind of people these are where's their parents where's they, you know these people are are you kidding me so uh, obviously the kid was invited all right, because no parents are going to, you know, right, just right. drop me off at McDonald's. I think my friend maybe will come by, and I kind of want to, you know, and the kid's retarded, you know, or 
uh, what do they call yeah, it? It was prearranged. You know, a friend. Okay, this was a friend of his. I mean, a friend that you're going to go spend the night over at his house. I mean, hey, when I was a kid, you know, you had to actually be a friend of mine before I was going to be going to your house overnight. Right, absolutely. It wasn't just some kid I saw at school one day and said, hey, <laughs> how about I come over and spend an hour? Sure, sure, you know, no. You're friends. And this is what he did to a friend. I'm right. sorry. Um I, I, you know what? If it was up to me, I'd kill every last, I'd kill all four of those, those, those things. They don't need to be breathing the same air as everybody else. Well, absolutely. They, but at the very least, they should be prosecuted under the hate crime laws, and they should be locked up forever or whatever. You know, well, they, they have should been be charged. prosecuted properly. You know, they regardless, have been charged with yeah, it, regardless right? of what CNN and the president says. They are charged with hate crime, among, you know, other things like kidnapping and, you know, other things that you're going away for a long time. Well, Frank, we got to get out of here. Tell them where your program is, and I say my goodbyes. 8 p.m. Pacific, uh, Monday through Thursday, and then 2 p.m. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and 3 p.m. on Wednesdays. That's all perfect time. Thanks for having me on, Dan. All right, thanks for being on, Frank. It always goes fast. Be blessed. Well, folks, um, pray again about supporting Wichita Mission Church, and we will have a lot of programs for you this year. We're going to have some surprises at some point when I'm comfortable with it. I'm turning on the camera. I'm just uh, fine-tuning that. We're going to film some programming down at the Wichita Mission Church and things. We have a lot of surprises for you, but we do need your help. We have there's some just little things that are holding us up, like a digital recorder that we didn't get, and that was probably to us and a few other things. So pray about supporting Wichita Mission Church and pray about supporting Radio Airtime. We really do need your help. Pray about it tonight. We must remember there is only one God and He is your Father. He's a God of, he's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua HaMashiach and He gave His life for repentance. He rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and through Him and only through Him is the way to the Father. That's absolute. Remember, you know, it's just like the Muslims say. The Muslims say um, Allah has no father, so that's not the same God. Uh, or Allah has no son. That Allah is not the same God as our father. You know, because he who denies the son denies also the father. So that's the spirit of Antichrist. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. Please do that. Lord our God, Father, King of the Universe, asking Yeshua Hamashiach's name, that the Father would bless and keep you, and that his face would shine upon you. And please, Father, be gracious to them, and give them peace like no one or nothing else can. Until next Thursday, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. Just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for the Messiah's Branch.
men, women, and children once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to
Briar's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We're broadcasting live from the Plainhills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is September 1st, 2016. to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. 620-878-4682. And in emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You know, you can always find the updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, email address, and our mailing address on our blog, which is very simply prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Of course, you got to put that www thing in front of it, but if you just Google prophecyhour.com or whatever search engine you use, I'm sure you'll pull it up. Our program archives can be found at prophecyhour.com and at a place called branch.potomatic.com. They're both smartphone-friendly. In fact, at branch.potomatic.com, they have an Apple app and an Android app, Um, and so get that, your smartphones, and you don't even really need it because both are really smartphone-friendly. Check it out. now then, uh, let's move right on. Okay. Also, uh, we are remember we are a national satellite radio program, which is simulcast on the net internationally. So please pray about supporting airtime. And also, I challenge you to share this with at least two or three other people. You know, I want to thank our listener base that is worldwide in places like Helsinki, Finland. Excuse me, Mexico City, Mexico, Mexicali, Baja, California, Mexico, Sargasa, Spain, Hyderabad, or Bad, India, Mumbai, India, New Delhi, India, Vancouver, Canada, Calgary, Canada, Toronto, Canada, Winnipeg, Canada, Montreal, Canada, and I noticed today, or yesterday, actually, there's a couple more cities in Canada listening, and they all seem to be real close to the border. Does everybody, and I'm not picking on Canada, but does everybody 
live within the first hundred miles of the border in Canada? Well, anyway, that's the people that's listening to the radio programs. And, of course, in cities in the United States, such as Sacramento, California, Town and Country, Florida, Corpus Christi, Texas, Anaheim, California, Columbus, Ohio, Buffalo, New York, Washington, D.C., and Plano, Texas, Dallas, Texas. I could go on for a long time. As well as Wichita, Kansas, which still remains the largest group of listeners to our radio programs when they podcast later tonight. And you folks that listen to the podcast, I know that uh, in Wichita or listen, you know, and listen to the radio program, the point I'm getting at is, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody that is a supporter and does listen to me over in Wichita, and he came in the other day, and we were talking about it, and, and you know, what I, we brought up in our conversation is that we are in one of the worst parts of town over there, and so I don't blame people for being scared to come in there, because I'm just different, but uh, most people are scared to be there. Um, but, you know, we that's where we should be at, is where the centers are and, you know, to help them. But anyway, uh, point being is, uh, drop it in, sis, if you're brave enough from Wichita, drop by and, and uh, give us a howdy duty. Anyway, now prayer will bring on tonight's guest. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name I pray, Father, I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will, not my will, nor my guest's will. So please give us all ears and wish to hear the truth. Amen and amen. Well, our guest tonight is sir, has served in the last 30 years as a pastor, evangelist, and equipper in the ministry. In the last several years, Steve, and that's who we're talking about, is Steve Henderson, has been called into the area of teaching prophecy. You know, this happens with a lot of people. You know, you gain it. I will tell you this. You start off when you're young and you think you know everything, and, and uh, your father has to take you up this hill and down the other, you know, and around. And when you get older, you start understanding things better, and you're willing to accept things better, especially if you think you're right about something. And when you get a little bit older, you go, okay, well, you get a little more flexible. It's just a little more intelligent, a little more wisdom. But anyway, so his ministry is called the Sure Word of Prophecy. It has a mission to help believers to understand the Bible prophecy and prepare them for the return of Yeshua to provide an, provide an, an argument, <clears throat> I can never say that word, arguable presentation to unbelievers that there is indeed one who knows the end from the beginning, and that's how the word is, teaches the end from the beginning. In his vision, he shares prophetic word of the Bible with scoffers, agnostics, and atheists, providing them with evidence they need to turn them into a saving faith in Yeshua, our Messiah. And that's the Messiah of the world, if they would only accept him. You can check his website out at surewordprophecy.org, surewordprophecy.org. He says, due to recent developments and provocations of Iran against many in the Middle East and the West, he would like to revisit Daniel 8 and give an important update as we move closer to the fulfillment of this end-time prophecy. And according to Steve, it is becoming much clearer based on evidence of current events that a war will soon commence between the West and Iran. I can concur that could happen at any time, especially with our troops overlapping um, in the Middle East. We also make, uh, might take note that author and watchman Richard Perry, who's been on this program many times, and, and he's been on, I mean, you know, clear back years since I first started the radio program. Richard Perry says that he expects the war to start with Iran 
before Obama leaves office. So is that two witnesses? Anyway, so let's welcome back now Stu Henderson. Are you there with me, Steve? Mara, no offense. Shalom to you, Pastor Dan. Thanks again for the invitation. I always enjoy being on your program. Well, I enjoy having you on here, and I know the folks do because I can tell from the radio archives, you know, that they pick up your programs and listen to it continually. If they don't like you, they don't pick your programs up the next time you're on. (laughs) So so it's a pretty easy choice. But I I like having you on, and and, uh, you know why we don't agree on everything. You know, nobody agrees on everything, but you do give some very sound things to talk about. Well, I appreciate your invitation, brother. I I really feel um, that we are facing the, the final precipice of, uh, of the things that head into eternity, and it really excites me. Um, but the reality of it all is we're facing uh, right now an unavoidable conflict with Iran, and i kind of like to share that with your group tonight. Uh, and if you allow me, I'll go ahead and just get right into it. Uh, let me start out with an article entitled, we welcome war with the U.S. Uh, this was uh, back a couple of days ago, uh, August 30th. And I'll lead out with this, and then we'll go on from there. The writer of this article, Robert Spencer, exclaimed, The details of Iran's ongoing war activities against the United States are unknown to most Americans. For years, Iranian leaders have been engaged in extreme bellicose rhetoric against the U.S., in the 35th anniversary of the Islamic Revolution, the Iranian chief of staff, Hossein Farzavadi, boasted, Iran is prepared for a decisive war against the U.S. and the Zionist regime. Iran has been making plans, conducting maneuvers, and preparing its forces for this battle for years now. The head of Iran's influential 12-member Guardian Council of the Constitution, Ayatollah Ahmadinejad, further inflamed the Islamic Republic with these types of words. The Iman Khomeini said that the U.S. is a great Satan, and we expect Iranian officials to recognize the enemy. The U.S. is a great Satan yesterday and today. The first option on our table is death to America. The entire people's slogan is death to America. Another option on our table is the defense of Palestine. Other messages from the Iranian people to their officials are not to fear the enemy and not to fear death. Yes, uh, brother, I think that this ram that I see in the Daniel chapter 8 has become emboldened, and they are in our face uh, challenging us as we speak uh, this evening. Um, so what I'd like to do is take you back, uh, <clears throat> take the, the uh, listening audience back just a, a little bit back to where I first shared with you three years ago. I noted here it was about three years ago that I actually did three programs on Daniel chapter 8, and I know you understand my position, but for those who may not have had the benefit of hearing those programs, I'd like to make a few observations, if you will, uh, concerning this prophecy, and then get right to the heart of the matter, if you don't mind. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> well, in, in my uh, estimation, brother, it's, it's one of the most ignored prophecies in Scripture, uh, in the entire Bible, in fact, uh, Daniel chapter 8. Yet it's one of the most important, and I believe it speaks of our day. I actually started on this study back in 1989 and have been watching this prophecy get much clearer, and now we're rapidly moving much closer to the fulfillment of Daniel's vision and Yeshua's return. And boy, I'm getting excited about it, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand, brother. What do you think about that? Yeah. 
Go ahead, Hall- Hallelujah. Um, as I examined these prophecies with great interest uh, when I began studying and coming into to the Lord, I noticed that Yeshua was sharing a panoramic view of what would take place before his return, that there was a distinct pivotal transition concerning a thing called the end. And Yeshua declared that before he would come back, chaos would be the normal uh, mode of things. And then he gave a list of signposts to watch for. And then he shifted statements to words which clearly concern the end. And that's what led me into studying Daniel. In Matthew chapter 24, the Savior clearly stated uh, in, in his transitions, he, he said that the, he that endures to the end, they will be the ones that will be saved. And through these troublous times, the gospel will go over all the earth and then the end would come. So here are two direct statements about the end. Then Yeshua alerts his followers that there would be something in the book of Daniel which would be eventually usher in the final day and deliverance to all that believe in him to eternal life. Yeshua specifically speaks in this manner. He said, When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, then he ended his statement, Whoever reads, let him understand. Pastor Dan, I, I wanted to read about this and understand it. And as I began to search for this event in Daniel's writings, I discovered the first clear reference to this event, which would bring in a desolation, was found in Daniel chapter 8. This event would be brought into sharp focus through a little horn power, and he would cause many to transgress against Yahweh through deceit. This event was labeled in chapter 8 of Daniel as a transgression of desolation. Yeah, let me speak. Uh, let me say something. Sure. Um, you know, you hit on. Uh, you know, I'm really intently listening to you because you know, right now in our mission church, we're doing a, a prophecy study, and we started out with Daniel. But um, so many. I'm glad you're pointing it out. There are so many people that are just stuck in the New Testament, and then they're stuck just. And they will do Matthew, but they won't relate it back. What, folks? What he's giving you right now is really highly important as to this identification of, of the desolation. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I oh, wanted to point it out to the people. Thank, thank you, me. brother. Uh, I, I, I concur. It's, it's a very, very vital uh, thing that we need to be looking at right right now. And I don't think that we need to ignore it. I think we need to have ears to hear, because Daniel is, is writing about uh, an end-time vision in Daniel chapter 8. And before I uh, get into this entire vision, I'd like to offer just a couple of observations, if you will, brother. Uh, number one, uh, Daniel's writings would not be clearly un- understood until the end, and that's how I understand the book of Daniel. Daniel was told after receiving his visions to fill up the words and close up the book until the time of the end. Then at the time of the end, the book would become unsealed and knowledge of the prophecies would increase. Uh, before the end of chapter 12, Daniel appeals to the one about whom he had seen, uh, and he didn't understand what he saw in the visions. And then Daniel was told, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed up until the time of the end. And then he adds, At that time, many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall be wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but the wise shall understand. Thus, that's the Yeshua statement, Whoever reads, let him understand. And he's pointing to the abomination of desolation, and he points it to the end of time. And at the end, this book would become unsealed, and knowledge of these prophecies would increase. 
Pastor Dan, it's imperative that we place these prophecies where they belong. Daniel's visions open up at the end, and the wise will understand what is being said here. Friends, Daniel chapter 8 is a vision that refers to the end, and how do I know this? Well, I'd like to take you over and see what the angel Gabriel says about the vision before we dig in to the specifics. In the context, Daniel was frightened about what he saw in Daniel chapter 8, and at the moment, the angel Gabriel was summoned to help Daniel understand when the vision would take place. Starting with chapter 8 and verse 16, we read Daniel's account, and I quote, And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, who called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. And he said to me, understand, son of man, that this vision refers to the time of the end. Gabriel then reiterates the time and again in verse 19, and he, Gabriel tells Daniel one more time, Look, I'm making you to know what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, for at the appointed time the end shall be. Then after Daniel receives the vital information about the specifics of the ones who are in the vision, he's told in verse 26, And the vision of the evenings and the mornings which is told is true, Therefore, fill up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. So very evidently, within the framework of Daniel chapter 8, three times it, it, it says that it's an end-time vision. This would not apply to something that would happen way back in history, but at the end of time we would understand this, this vision because of the very circumstances and players that are involved the, 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 the events would speak loud and clear that we are facing the end. So let's stop here for a minute and draw a couple of conclusions. There's an appointed time when the prophecy will be understood. At the end, the vision will become clear, and to those who read it, they will understand. And at the end, many will burn back and forth in the prophecies of Daniel, and knowledge of these prophecies will bring great light to those who read it. Okay, so now let's build on the foundation, Pastor Dan, uh, that we've laid here. So we understand Daniel 8 is an end-time vision according to the angel. Now, Daniel sees a ram standing at a certain geographical location. The ram is standing at a river. It is at the confluence of where the Tigris and Euphrates rivers join together, just north of where the Persian Gulf lies. This is where Iran and Iraq meet together. This ram has two horns. One horn appears first, and then the larger horn comes in and joins the first horn. They then begin to bully the region, and Iran begins to launch out in three different directions. Apparently, the other countries in the regions cannot do anything to stop this belligerent ram, and because of the ram's aggression, it brings attention to another entity that's pictured in the vision. This is identified as a goat. On this goat's forehead is a great horn. This goat comes across the surface of the whole earth from the west, a specific geographical location. The goat is enraged at what the ram is doing, so it decides to travel across the west, across the surface of the whole earth, and take out this ram. The prophet sees this goat traveling through the air. It's not, it's not traveling on the ground. It's, it's, it's coming through the air. And there's a troubling confrontation, and the goat with a great horn wins this war, and becomes even greater after the war. Then, suddenly, 
the prophet sees the great horn break. When the great horn breaks, it affects the whole planet toward the four winds of the heavens. And it breaks up into four horns, and then out of one of them comes a little horn who slips in and gains the world's trust by his deceitful ways, thus creating the abomination that ushers in um, desolation. The ram is standing in between Iran and Iraq. There is no room, brother, for misinterpretation here, in my opinion. The ram is identified as a Medes and Persians in verse 20 of chapter 8. Put them at the end where Gabriel does, and you will find Iraq and Iran. According to the the book in the, in the Daniel, Darius the Mede was in Babylon at the time Daniel was still writing his prophecies. In ancient Babylon is now where Iraq is centered, and Iran is Persia and always has been, and is still known as the ancient Persian Empire. So, and according to the geographical location, we have no room for doubt. This ram is standing right in between Iraq and Iran when this goat becomes infuriated at what the ram is doing. According to this prophecy, Iran and Iraq will be front and center in the news at the time of the end. Are you following me, brother, on this? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm listening to you real intently. Um, I don't have any disagreement in the ram at all. Um, that is the area, and we've just been sitting in And like most people do, you know, at, at our mission church, what we do is we put up maps, you know what I'm saying, ancient maps, and compare them with modern-day maps is what I believe every student should do. And the area you're talking about is absolute. Okay. Thank you, brother, for that confirmation. Um so, now let's go into what is happening in the news, and uh, this should alarm anyone who understands these prophecies. First of all, I want to offer up some background information to bring us to the present crisis just ahead of us. Um, let's start uh, just briefly, and I'm going to try to move real quickly here because I've got a lot of stuff to share with you. Um, I want to take you back to the revolution that began in Iran from a backlash against westernizing and secularizing efforts of a western U.S.-backed Shah in, in Iran. Um, uh, in 1979, uh, the Shah had to leave uh, Iran in ex exile as the last Persian monarch, uh, leaving his duties to a regency council and an opposition-based prime minister, and a revolution re was replaced uh, with the monarchy of the, char of the Shah with Islamism and uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini. Um, he was invited back to Iran by the government, who was in exile for many years, around 15, if I remember. And eventually, uh, Iran created a caliphate and an Islamic Republic and called the Islamic Republic of Iran. Later on that year, a group of Iranian students belonging to the Muslim student followers of Iman's line, who supported the Iranian Revolution, took over a U.S. embassy in Tehran. And it was an Iran hostage crisis that was a diplomatic crisis between the Iran and the United States. Steve, we're, we're going to have to go to break in about 30 seconds or something. Okay. Um, how about you give your website, and we'll come back and listen to some more about this. Absolutely. Uh, my uh, website is surewordprophecy.org. And I would encourage you to, uh, I do have a presentation over there. Uh, under an interesting, I'm sorry, under presentations, it's called uh, the coming prophetic showdown: Iran, the West, and uh, in Israel. And I encourage you to, to watch that in lieu of this here. Okay, folks, make sure you go uh, check him out, SherwoodProphecy.org, and we'll be back in three minutes. Oh, 
found that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. This is Pastor Dan Cowley, and you're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Well, folks, uh, this is part of the program where I, I always ask you to pray about a donation for a work with the homeless and poor from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. You know, um, I had a supporter come in this week 
talked a little bit about it at the first of the program. I had a supporter come in this week, and we talked over why people, you know, in Wichita, why have such a big listing uh, crowd over there, but not very many people show up. You know, in fact, it's real pretty much rarity for somebody from Wichita to pop in the door. Well, I really think it is just uh, that it's because of the part of town that we're in, because we are in one of the worst parts of town. And let me tell you what, that in that neighborhood, that if you don't look like you belong, you could get a stand a good chance of one of two things. You could either get possibly mugged, robbed, or you could even get um, hassled by the police because they want to know what somebody like you is doing over there. Um, neither used to, you know what I'm saying? They, they know my vehicles and, and uh, in and out. And, you know, it is still Broadway and Kellogg. It's not saying that you can't come down there safely, but I see why people are paranoid of it. But, folks, really, you, you come over there in the daytime, it, it, it's safe. You walk in the back door and say, or say to anybody, say, hey, you know where's Pastor Dan at? And they'll direct you right to me. And uh, so if you want to drop in and say hi, it is safe. But why are we in that part of town? You know, when I moved into that part of town, even some of the homeless said, Pastor Dan, man, you know where you're moving to? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, you know, is that safe for you? And it has been safe. Um, I believe that that the, the Father directs me in what I do, and I believe that I've got a big guardian angel. And so, you know, but anything could happen to anybody anywhere. But that's where I'm needed at. We help the poor and the homeless. There's a lot of poor people in that neighborhood we help out. There's a lot of, and you know, we don't have a lack of people coming in the door for help. Pregnant women and, and women with children and families, you know, um, men, women, and children. Everybody, when I'm, they mention my ministry, they always say, well, Pastor Dan, he just takes care of the homeless. Homeless and poor. We take care of poor people that, you know, can't keep, uh, they just barely keep a roof over their heads because of Obama's economy. And, you know, they're working, some of them are working two or three jobs even, and they just, you know, don't make enough money. And so these people come in looking for food, clothing, over-the-counter medications, and, you know, now it's wintertime. We need blankets. You folks in Wichita could really help out if you would get, uh, score some blankets because you wouldn't have to mail them or anything. You could just drop them off with us. Call me and let me know. We'll arrange it. You know, even if I need to, to meet with you at a special time and you don't want to come to the neighborhood, I can send somebody to meet you to get the blankets if you don't feel safe. So um, we need blankets, over-the-counter medications, Bibles, King James Version, large print Bibles. You can pick those up in many different stores. The dollar store the last couple of years, that's where we used to get them for 10 bucks a piece. Um, they quit carrying Bibles for some reason, um, at least where that we could see where they used to keep large things. But Sam's has them. They're $15 and they're a really nice Bible. So pray about it, you know. Um, we also need help for food, clothing, bills. It's the first of the month. Not all the bills have been paid. We're expecting a ch We always get a, a donation from one ministry in Texas that has been donating for years, and we usually pay the mission electric and, and a couple other mission bills with it. Well, that check hasn't got here yet, and maybe because the weekend it got tied up, sometimes it's late, but the bills need to be paid now. So pray about a donation. You know, we really do need your help. You know, we're the last hope for so many. And, folks, remember, we are responsible to come one for another, as we are a brother's keeper. All donations, no matter what size, helps. 
And the Father donations are all donations that come from where? Your heart. If you don't wish to help with the poor, consider a donation for Radio Airtime. You know, you're listening to it, and, you know, I bring you different guests, and, and you know, I even bring different opinions. Well, I don't put a lot of pre-trib rapture people or very little at all on here. I do people that have different versions of Bible prophecy and put it on here because, you know, I don't claim to know 100%, but I put on people that are reasonable and uh, and like tonight, you have a good guest on Steve Henderson. The next program on tonight at seven o'clock, you're going to have Joel Richardson. And so um, these are very good guests. And you know, so pray about it. If you're blessed by these programs, donate to radio. When you make a donation to radio, all you got to do is market radio, and it'll go for radio instead of the homeless and poor. So pray about it. We really could use your help, and we could use it tonight, today, whatever, whenever you hear this message. Okay, you can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find all that information at PropsAR.com or call me at 620-878-4682. And just to see if you're all listening to us, try Messiah's Branch.com, MessiahBranch.com. That is simply just some radio archives that I put up there. Simple. I want to see how you like it. MessiahBranch.com. See what you think of it. Anyway, and now we're back. If he hasn't went anywhere, with Steve Henderson. Are you there with me, Steve? I'm here, brother. And uh, thank you for your ministry. Uh, we might be the only Bible they read. And if you're um, extending your heart and hands like the heart and hands of uh, Jesus. He'd be down there in the, in the middle of that, that area you're talking about. And uh, he'd be loving them right where they were at. And uh, God bless you for your ministry. And I would encourage your listeners to, to please make a donation. I, I concur with that, brother. And uh, thank you uh, for your, your modeling uh, uh, the living book. You know, and that, that's really important uh, to those who have their hard, uh, their hard, hardened hearts. Uh, the only way you're going to soften that heart is through uh, an act of love like you're doing. And I know you're so many seeds for the kingdom, brother, and, uh, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, let's get back into this interesting Bible prophecy. Okay, let's do it. Um, I just kind of, you want to kind of move forward uh, in, in little segments, but uh, with the time that I have, um, you know, I kind of like to mention what, how, the, how the anti-American rhetoric happened through the hostage uh, deal where there were, you know, for 444 days, the United States had to, uh, some hostages there in Iran, and that was a turning point of an anti-American mindset that was worsened through the following decades. And remember, in order for Daniel's vision to be fulfilled, Iran and Iraq would have to make headlines in the, news, in the world news, and something was shaping up here through all of this. Uh, right during that same time in 1980, uh, Iran-Iraq war began to uh, break out when Iraq invaded Iran. And uh, it, it followed a, a history of border disputes and was motivated by fears of the, of the Iranian revolution in 1979 would inspire insurgency among Iraq's long-expressed Shia majority. And, and so what happened was a, a massive conflict took place between the two uh, over territory. And in fact, a lot of the focus was around the same area where Daniel saw the ram pushing along that uh, taking control of that waterway, not the shallow waterway that traveled into the Persian Gulf at the confluence of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. That's where the, the, the territory was. Whoever take control of that river would have be a regional superpower. And shortly after this war, I began to look at the prophecy and wonder how in the world would these two countries ever get together. But according to the book of Daniel, it, it would have to happen. Uh, the two horns would eventually have to unite and begin to get aggressive. 
And that would take a miracle to put both these two together because this is a bitter ordeal for both countries. The war cost uh, on both sides and lives the economic damage. Uh, Half a million Iraqi and Iranian soldiers were killed with an equivalent number of civilians and uh, are believed to have died, uh, which much more injured. And there's an extensive use of chemical weapons and, and sulfur mustard gas by the Iraqi government against Iranian troops. Civilians and the Kurds, and so they were. There's a bitter. They were bitter enemies, and so in order for them to get together, it would just be an almost impossibility at that particular time to see that happen. In 1991, Saddam went back down to Kuwait. We we all know what happened there. A coalition from the West, led by the great nation of the United States, went down, pushed Saddam back, and then uh, you know the the coalition from the West, mainly NATO and Great Britain, led by the United States. Uh, pushed Saddam back, turned the clock back up to uh, September 11, 2001, the attacks of the uh, World Trade Center. Uh, somehow or other, Saddam was implicated. In 2003, we went in uh, another uh, coalition from the West, uh, with a great nation leading the way again, uh, went in and took out Saddam Hussein. And through this, the two horns and Daniel began to unite together. Remember, in the, in the prophecy in Daniel 8 and 3 and 4, the ram has two horns, and the two horns were high. One was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. And the, and the two would have to get together, and then, then once they did, they would begin to push and get aggressive. Well, through the toppling of Saddam in 2003 by U.S. and coalition forces, it constituted a historic opportunity for Iran to expand its influence in Iraq and to transform it from an enemy into a partner or ally. And since the fall of Saddam Hussein in 2003, Iran's strategy has been to unite Iraq Shiite parties so they can translate their demographic weight into political influence, thereby consolidating Shiite primacy in, in the Baghdad and Tehran uh, uh, both uh, united together, and they placed a, uh, a uh, Shiite president of uh, Iranian influence, Nuri uh, al-Maliki, in 2005, and then it just went, went and the, the, uh, the uh, man, Mohammed Sadar, Sadar was, um, was a popular anti-American um, um, in Ahmadi army in, in militia in Iraq, and he was uh, uniting Iraq and Iran together in common goals. He had left uh, Iraq for a while, and then back in um, he fled in 2007. And he came back in uh, around 2011. And it was during that time that Iraq and Iran really began to consolidate their forces together. In a recent in an article in, in 2011 uh, from Los, Ange- Los Angeles Times, the article says. U.S. military, uh, as U.S. prepares to leave, Iran's shadow looms large. And it says U.S. military officials warn that Iran will fill the vacuum created by Americans after they, uh, the, the troops depart. And it says this, as the last U.S. troops pack up and leave Iraq by the end of the next month, Pentagon officials and senior military commanders are warning that Iran will push to fill a power vacuum created by the American exit unless Washington limits this pullback from the region. In Iraq and other trouble spots, Iran is handing out money and weapons, often in secret, and in an effort to expand its clout and stay ahead of the political changes sweeping the region since the start of the Arab Spring. Uh, another article, U.S. Uh, on verge of losing Iraq completely to Iran. An American general uh, 
McIrhenny uh, said it's a very dangerous situation and it's perilous. And in this article, it exclaims, escalating protests in Baghdad threaten the Iraqi uh, government as Shiite Muslim factions battle for control for the country. And retired U.S. Fort uh, Lieutenant Tom McIlhenny says Iran could soon wield all the power in Iraq unless U.S. changes course in significant ways. It says you have a combination of Iranian Shiite and Iraqi Shiite competing as to who controls the government and who controls Iraq. That's the bottom line of what's going on over here right now. Uh, when we pulled out, this administration fundamentally, fundamentally gave Iraq to Iran, uh, Merck and he said. Now, the Iraqi government is feeling much greater heat from Shiite factions, more little to, to Iran than to Baghdad, in addition to the threat posed by ISIS in the north. ISIS still controls Mosul with other spots of territory in Iraq and still within striking distance of the capital. What happened, brother, was that the, the, Iran came in, filled the vacuum when the, the United States Army left, and now they are working side by side against a common enemy called ISIS. And we all understand what's been going on right there. Um, but article after article after article, here's one that says out of the uh, Iran news, Popular Forces Representative Iran owes existence, I'm sorry, Iraq owes existence to Iran and General Soleimani. Um, in this article, it says a representative of Iraqi volunteer forces appreciate Iran and Islamic Republic Guard's Corps Cut Force commander, the Major General Ghassan Soleimani, for assisting his country in the campaign against terrorism and safeguarding, safeguarding his territorial um, uh, integrity. Uh, in June 2016, Foreign Minister uh, of Iraq says Iranian General Soleimani in Iraq at Baghdad's demand. It says they invited him in to Baghdad to help with their fight against ISIS. Uh, another article, July 24, 2016, Iran, Iraq discuss anti terrorism corp, um, cooperation. Uh, the Iranian ambassador and Iraqi parliamentary speaker uh, met on Baghdad on Sunday and discussed mutual cooperation in the war against tourism and extremism. And uh, it says that during the meeting in the Iraq capital today, these two leaders underlined the need for collective efforts by all Muslim countries, especially Iraq and Iran, to uproot terrorism in the region. I think it's pretty amazing that here is the top state sponsor of terrorism in the world fighting against terrorism with Iraq in the, in the region now, and they're called a, a, a you know regional power now, the Iran and Iraq together. And the two sides warned against the rising threat of terrorism endangering global key, peace and security. So here we find uh, Iraq and Iran Together now, in fact, this article just recently, August 16, 2016, out of Fox News, says U.S. officials say that up to 100,000 Iran-backed fighters are now in Iraq. This article propagates as many as 100,000 Iran-backed Shiite militia are now fighting on the ground in Iraq, according to U.S. military officials, raising concerns that that should uh, be the uh, should the Islamic State be defeated, it will only be replaced by another anti-American force that fuels further sectarian violence in the region. This is Daniel Eight, yeah, to his ultimate. The effect of the Obama administration's policy has been to replace American boots on the ground with Iranians, 
And as Iran advances, one anti-American actor is being replaced with another. And it then propagates, the U.S. military also confirming that Russian bombers are now flying into Syria from a base in Iran. The growth could create greater risk for Americans in the country. At least one Iran-backed group vowed earlier this year to attack U.S. forces supporting the Iraqis. And that's, uh, that's what's really happening is now they have an anti-American sentiment not only with Iran but with Iraq also, and they, they have both been threatened. Uh, here's an article uh, entitled, U.S. Unaware of Iran's Plans to Build Missile Base in Iraq. Can you believe this? Here we're finding that Tehran launched construction of a large missile base in the Syrian coastal mountain region in Iraqi Kurdistan, which reportedly aims to protect the religious borders of Iran. Here's another article. Iraq Shiite militias say U.S. troops forces of occupation demand withdrawal. Here they're saying, you guys, the U.S. needs to get out of, of our territory. We don't, we don't appreciate you being here any longer, so get on out. Uh, here's another article, June 1st, 2016. The Americans use excessive force. We don't need their help in libera- liberating Fallujah. Uh, in this article, it says the American axis can go to hell. The, American, mm-hmm. the Iranian brothers, uh, headed by dear brother uh, Qasem Soleimani, came here at the request of the Iraqi government. This was done in agreement with the general commander of the armed forces of Iraq. These people did not sneak in here, but the general commander of the armed forces said some of these pictures are in the battlefield. Um, so here Let me give you something. Hey, sure. Let me give you something real quick. Um, I don't know if you noticed this today, but, you know, they're all talking about the loopholes now that, that we gave them. And, in fact, it said, uh, it said U.S. agreed secret exemptions for Iran on nuclear deal. We empowered them even to be more uh, to be able to you know, be on the road to a nuclear bomb. So I do have a question for you in all this. Yes. Um, Obama seems to gave away the farm to Iran right now, and he even gave money to get our soldiers back. Do you believe that the, you say a coming war, and I believe that we're, we're going to go to war with Iran. My question to you this is this. Do you think that would happen under this administration, or because he's so appeasing to him, or do you think it'll be the next? Or do you have no thought? Well, I I, uh, I believe that it would be a see what's going to create this this war is something that happens initiated by Iran. Okay, so when and, and as we go through this, we find out that they've spread the, Iran has spread its tentacles throughout the Middle East and Yemen into Syria, into Iraq. Uh, they're they're down in Iran. They're 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 pushing. they in fact right now they just threatened Turkey right. to get out. Uh, so they are taking, and along with the Russian alliance, you know, it could be just any time. And, you know, it's, it's hard to predict the timing here, but it would seem to me like while the America is preoccupied with this Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton um, uh, presidential election, that that it would be a good time for them to, to shift, and shift gears and do something that, uh, and I know that the, the focus, and by the way, it's something else that we need to, to note here, brother, is that. This, this is connected to something that's going to happen to Israel, okay? Right. And, you know, as they're shooting missiles off with a, Israel's name on them over there, uh, inciting, uh, you know, the, the, the hatred. Now, it could be something that Israel initiates, okay, out of self-preservation. Right. Uh, and these are, I mean, there's just so much to, to, to add to well, your question here. 
Absolutely. I, I just wanted to see what you said because I, I have another brother by the name of Richard Perry that's an author and everything, and he's predicting this war to happen before Obama leaves office. And it could be very possible, especially maybe if Trump uh, became president, that they figure it would be a president that would have an iron hand, so to speak. We don't know, but uh, I do feel it's like right on the edge. But uh, I'll let you finish. you got about four minutes. We sure are. We sure are on the verge of something uh, very decisive. Um, you know, I hate to. Uh, I wouldn't want to make that prediction uh, that it would happen before the election, but it's coming, brother. I know that much. Um, here's an article. Iran presidential advisor: Whole Middle East is Iranian. Uh, there's a, a brother that says uh, the geography of Iran and Iraq cannot be divided, and it urges national unification in the region. And uh, speaking at a Tehran forum entitled Iran, Nationality, History, and Heritage, Hassan Rouhani's special assistant for minorities, Al Yassini, said that Iran and neighboring Iraq were inseparable in response to alarm in Saudi Arabia over Islamic Republic's expansionism in the region. At the moment, Iraq is not only the bastion of our civilization, it is also identity, culture, and capital, and it is now, it is now true as it was in the past. The geography and Iran and Iraq cannot be divided, uh, Yusani, a former intelligence minister, added. This is out of Times of Israel. So what we find in, is a fulfillment of the prophecy where the two get together, and then they begin to spread their tentacles and begin to push into uh, the different regions. And here is an article just uh, a few days ago entitled, Saudi and Persian Gulf States Share Israel's Concern About Iran's Hegemony. Uh, Foreign Ministry Director uh, Dor Gold of Israel said, Arab leaders are laying out a case against Iranian actions, and we are seeing expressed over and over by Arab leaders. The Iranian interference is considered to be a threat to a number of countries in the region. Um, and uh, their interference includes support for terrorism, promoting chaos, and political interference. The goal is to achieve Persian domination over Abrahamism with the use of Revolutionary Guards and Hezbollah and the other uh, prodigies such as Hamas, Islamic Jihad. They're being supported by this number one terror network and what, is, what they plan on doing is taking over and ex expanding the Islamic Republic throughout the Middle East and then uh, taking down America. And this, something they are going to do is they're going to make this great nation from the West very, very mad. And when, when whatever they do, it's going to allow them to come over swiftly from the air uh, and, and come down on, uh, on those countries there. And, and when it's all done and said... Uh, America will be the victor in this thing. But then once the, the war commences and the Iran and Iraq are, are, are broken down, it will break both its horns, then the great horn of, of, of the uh, prophecy, the great nation, it's called a nation in Daniel chapter 8, out of that nation will come four. Uh, when, the, when the great horn breaks, and, you know, uh, we've been looking for a prophecy uh, related to the United States, and surely, as great a nation as this is, surely it's somewhere in the book. And I think at the end, the book of Daniel will become filled, and we would understand who this great nation from the West would be and who this ram would be. And when they get in this conflict, start counting the days, because we're getting ready to go home, brother. Hallelujah. Well, amen. Amen. Um, well, it's a good version, you know. Um, 
you got you have more of this at your. I, I know you do. I have much. More. I mean, you jumped all around. So it's at where your website. Yes, I do have a presentation on video. You can go and click to it. It's free. Uh, just jump over there to the presentation tab. Hit uh, the prophetic showdown, Israel West and Iran. Uh, there's about a 90-minute presentation I've done uh, back in November of 2015. But everything's happening so rapidly, brother. I need to be doing another one uh, because it, it just it, everything's just shaping up so quickly. And, uh, you know, I think we really need to take a good, honest look at it. So you, it you have, history. Well, let me ask yeah. you real quick before, before you go, because we're going to have to, you're going to have to get out of here in a second. So you have enough for another program already? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I, I haven't even touched the surface. I wanted to get into. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll send you a date um, after after my final radio program tonight. But i got to get out of here now. But, Steve, we'll have you back on so you can you, you can fill it out. But right now i got to tell you goodbye and be blessed because we're at yeah. the end. You sure bless you, brother. Love you, man. Bye. All right. Be blessed. Well, folks, um, you know, a lot of people say that the United States is not really listed much in the Bible. That's what Joel Richard said as our next speaker. But I don't know. Daniel's prophecy um, does say specifically that it would be sealed till the time of the end. That's why we bring you some different people with different views. Any way you look at it, we are about to go. I, I think we're very close to a war with Iran in the whole middle. I think we're at the time of the end. That's the point. That's the point of this program. Pray about supporting this radio program. Pray about um, supporting the Witch Thomas and Church, and make sure you turn in from an hour from now. But you must remember, there is only one God. He is your Father. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His Son is Yeshua, Hamashiach. He gave His life for repented sins. He rose after what? Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Through Him is the only way to the Father. Why would He say three days and three nights if it wasn't three days and three nights? You need to get this right. Folks, we have a feast coming up, and we're going to do something on that soon. But remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. Lord our God, Father, King Universe, I ask in Yeshua HaMashiach's name that the Father blesses and keeps you, and His face shines upon you, and is gracious to you, and gives you peace like no one or nothing else can. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. Just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for the Messiah's Branch.
donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
worried about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Celebrating the freedom, and they're celebrating 
the new year and the optimism and the hope and the expectation that's coming up. So uh, just a little sidetrack. But, yeah, uh, we had a great great season, uh, great Christmas, great New Year's. In fact, we had the family over and a lot of fun. Well, great. Well, one of the topics, ladies and gentlemen, as we say, it always comes up during the week, was some articles in the Houston Chronicle. Uh, unfortunately, it's the only newspaper here in town, uh, and at times it's better than others, but it's uh, a little more leaning towards liberal than we probably would like. But, you know, it's the only newspaper, and so we try to support them because they're local. But they had some articles on what they considered was the latest trends and fads that are coming up in um, – the 2017 year and it's funny um, they act like it's a trend and a fad one of the things they talked about was sprouted grains well everybody in nutritional health care knows that grandma and great grandma and everybody before her knew that if they sprouted the grains before they you know if they let them sprout before they picked them or if grandma took them in and fermented or soaked them in water overnight, that they were much healthier and they'd be much more digestible. So it's not a fad or a trend, but they seem to think uh, that it's a, it's going to be a food trend or a fad. And it's really been around forever. I guess the mainstream is jumping on it for a little bit. But uh, I'd like to think we're mainstream because it's been a normal thing forever. Have, have you heard about it before, Joe? No, Dave. Um, I guess I took it for granted. I've heard of, heard of this before, sprouted grains. But now the whole what's so new about it thing, I'm, I'm kind of confused because, yeah, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, their article says, sprouting everything. The 70s are back. Well, my grandmother and her great-grandmother all the way back, they were doing that stuff on the farms long before the 70s, so I don't know where they get their information here. But 1870s or 1970s? <laughs> they didn't say that, but let's assume they meant 1970s. Okay, just wanted But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, sprouting has always been a healthy way to do things. You let the grain sprout, and it served a couple purposes. In nature, when when a grain sprouts, that's the seeds on the top also. And so it can reinvent itself without man being there. Just like if an apple falls off of a tree under the ground and it rots and it starts growing. Uh, you forget, everybody's heard me talk about my tomato plants out back. They're about a foot tall right now. My daughter said they were weeds, but they're not. And what I did is I planted an entire tomato. I said, I'm going to simulate nature. And sure enough, they all popped up, and I have tomato plants, and they're doing fine. Yeah, because everything was pretty much in, in existence before mankind really came around and started poking around and stuff. But I guess he had to have something to do and felt like it was important for him to say, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I don't think nature ever needed us. <laughs> Probably do better without us, if, but that's a whole other story. Anyway. And then um, there's there's a lot of discussion, and Joe and I were trying to figure all this out. They mentioned sorghum as the new quinoa. It's a, a, a great protein. But when you research it, there's blackstrap molasses that 
is out there. There is sorghum molasses, and there is sorghum. And one of the things we found when we looked into it, they talked about uh, some of the molasses comes from cane sugar, and some of the sorghum gets made into syrup, but then some people said there's sorghum molasses that comes from sorghum, and it talked about it as a leaf for the tall plant and also as a grain. So if anybody out there knows a whole lot about sorghum, I've heard about it since I was a kid, but I don't think I know very much about it. But they're talking about it in the Chronicle as the new quinoa, and it's high protein. And one of the things Joe and I were talking about before the show, they always tell you what a certain plant is going to have, all the vitamins and minerals and all that stuff. But it doesn't work that way unless you have good soil from it to take things. If the soil is depleted, are full of synthetic fertilizers and pesticides, it's probably not going to end up that way, wouldn't you think, Joe? Mm, yeah, no, anything, Dave. Is, uh, yeah, what's the foundation? Soil, if it's poor, if it's bad, if it's tainted, if it's loaded with uh, chemicals, yeah, not going to be uh, any good. But apparently the sorghum uh, was growing like 4,000 years ago, so i got to check into what all the hoopla is about. Why, why is it so special nowadays? It's just... There's nothing new under the sun. I'm just amazed. But surely you jest. It has to be new. It's in the newspaper. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who am I to question the news? Just get in line and listen to what they say. Sorry, I had a little mental note to myself there. But, yeah, no, I agree, Dave. You're right. 100% right. Let's not question the authorities. <laughs> also, uh, they talk about with, with the sorghum, is uh, being used in a lot of cereals, and they also said sorghum now is the new popcorn. And the thing that drives me the craziest is everybody's on this anti-gluten thing, and I've never, ever seen gluten be a problem except in processed grain that is not sprouted, sitting on the shelf in a grocery store with the shelf life of the shelf. I mean, that kind of grain, uh, not good for us, never has been. The good breads for you in the stores usually are in the refrigerated or the freezer section because they're alive and they will die and rot and go bad sitting on that shelf. So years ago, the food giants figured out how to make shelf life instead of healthy. And now that food will last there forever. I wonder what the average shelf life is on a lot of the products. I've probably eaten some stuff that was should have been in a museum. But uh. Well, I'd, I'd say you're well-preserved just from sitting over here looking that direction, so I'm sure you ate a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah, you know what? And probably uh, by accident, I, I just don't eat a lot of stuff. You know, when I do eat, I, I try to make it a little bit better, but, you know. Sometimes I try to stay too busy to, to even eat, and sometimes maybe I just don't make it a point to have three meals a day. But I'm looking at some of these recipes, these sorghum recipes that they came up with. Now, obviously it's good, could be good for you, but look at some of the recipes they're coming up with. Ray crepes, or I'm sorry, yeah, Ray crepes with sorghum bourbon strawberries. I'll drink to that. Right? You might have uh, a nettle sorghum and bourbon cocktail. That would probably be good for you. Uh, where's the other one? I saw they have a beer that they're making out of this. They're using it in beer, which might be something you could throw in your uh, your brew when we get to that one day. Interesting. But I guess it doesn't matter, you know, how good it is. It's how you use it. 
right? And knowing the soil, the consistency of the soil is in the, is in the soil in the first place. But why do people have to reinvent the wheel every time, Dave? Well, well I, I think that they think people don't know. But, you know, just like our show, we're speaking to people that are into nutritional health care. They know about natural, and they've got a grandparent or a great-grandparent that probably told them about these things. The other thing that I, I find very funny is they're talking about good fats in this article. And it said low-fat, carbohydrate, and sugar Rich foods are the food villains of 2016. It follows that 2017 will be all about embracing the health benefits of a nutrient we once feared, fat. Well, we've been trying to tell people forever, heart disease and all the problems and people gaining weight did not ever come from good fat. It came from trans fat and processed crap. So now they're saying... After 20 years, the Food and Drug Administration has decided to update its view only on the lower-fat foods. So now, first off, I don't have any faith in the Food and Drug Administration because they approve a lot of horrible pharmaceutical things that I wouldn't give you if they gave me a bonus for. Yeah, that's the guys in the upper room. The, you know, the guys that work in the basement, we'll have help for them. But continue, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're saying after 20 years now, they're looking at all this different. And, and they're really bad about saying... Eggs are good for you. Eggs are bad for you. Eggs are good for you. Now they're bad for you. I'm mad at chickens at this point. Yeah, well, and the chickens are probably wondering, what what are we supposed to do? They come out of us naturally. (laughs) (laughs) Which came first, by the way? Do we know? We never even had a solution to that one. It was the sorghum. It was the sorghum, man. I got you. So, So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, don't put a lot of faith in the Food and Drug Administration because they're the same people. And, and I don't mean to sound derogatory. It's, it's it's just the facts are they're the ones that approve those medications on TV that you watch the commercials for that tell you this can stop you from having to go to the bathroom frequently. Of course, it might cause everything up to and including death, but we don't really want you to pay that much attention to this part of the commercial. And now they they don't get involved in nutritional health care and supplements, but yet they're getting involved in telling us what's good fat. Well, we've known good fat forever, and Dr. Atkins, as all of you may remember that name, He did a lot of studies on real patients with real fat and saw it cure and turn around many problems that we associate with heart disease and things like that, but you're not allowed to say anything can cure anything. So all he could say was like me, I guess he saw a lot of miracles. It's amazing. You, You expect to take what they say is fact. You can't have a rebuttal. But as it turns out, you, being the end user of the things that they have approved of, are the one that's suffering. So you say you're suffering, you say it's causing problems, and if you live long enough to get a lawyer and go through the process and hopefully recoup, it's it's too late by that point anyway. So I guess what I'm getting at is how the hell do they get away with that, Dave? 
They control the media. Oh, that's right. You know, in, in history, they always say the winner of the war gets to tell the story the way they want it. Dead men tell no tales. This and so this is what happens in attrition. Mm. And by the way, Frank said we're sounding good and clear. Thank you, Frank. Oh. Happy New Year. Thank you, uh, buddy. I don't know what your weather is like up there, but I imagine you've got some of that cold front that blew through. Radioactive snow coming to a town near you. Does it glow in the dark, I wonder? That that might be kind of fun around the holidays. And, and, and here's another fun thing. I've always told people, we are a saturated fat. So when we eat saturated fats, we process it very well. Well, now, mysteriously... In 2017, even the fats we once viewed, and I'm quoting from the article, by the way, are as unhealthy, such as saturated fats in dairy, we will, will, will be reframed in 2017. Dairy fat contains naturally occurring trans fatty acids and conjugated linoleic acid, and now they're saying that this could lower the risk of coronary disease. Well, we've been teaching that forever. Dr. Atkins taught it with, I don't know how many, 60,000 patients. Uh, the people up in Alaska, the Eskimos, all they ever ate in those old days was fat blubber, and they had the healthiest hearts and circulation of anybody. So none of this is new, but they want to act like, as you said, they rediscovered the wheel, and now they know how to make a new wheel. Well, they're not riding around in this bumpy cart, I'm telling you what. I wonder what they eat. Do you think they actually eat the stuff that they, you know, the medication that they prescribe? Do you think they actually take any of the stuff? I don't know, but I always tell everybody, if if you make the mistake of going to some other doctor, because you should be coming to somebody like me, um, and listening to our show, because we're going to tell you the truth to the best of our ability, and we're going to give you lots of opinions based on experience and research. We're just talking now, right? Absolutely. And uh, if you go somewhere and the person is telling you to take something and they don't take it themselves, run fast. Right. Don't stay there. Uh, like right here, they're talking about you're going to see low-fat cheese. And and then it's going to disappear because now they think fat's good for you. But but the, the FDA and all those crazies out there told everybody that fat was bad and it was causing all these things. And, you know, unfortunately, cholesterol has been beat up like like unmerciful and cholesterol is so important and I am thoroughly convinced that cholesterol lack of has caused many of the brain disorders that we see today. That's true. And, uh, you know, as we get into uh, a little bit deeper into the show and we start to talk about some of the medical procedures that you go through, I mean, you couple that with some of the synthetic problems that you come across. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're eating this stuff, and you've already got a medical condition. We've already talked about this in, in maybe a different angle. You are compounding the problem that you already have, and it's going to take years before you even realize what it might be. So, again, we always recommend you get a second opinion. Talk to other people. Yeah, you're, it's not against the law yet, is it, to, to talk to people about um, you know problems you might be having and raising questions and concerns. It's still legal to do that, Dave. Yeah, just ask me a question twice. That'll be your second opinion. Yep. <laughs> ah, 
Nice, but uh, I'll get him aside. I know a lot of people suffer, and you never hear from them again because they usually just disappear and unfortunately die. But we're trying to get to the people that are still six feet above the ground, wherever dog you might be, but that are still living and breathing before it gets too late. Because you can't always believe what you hear the first time. And unfortunately, the mainstream media has kind of backed themselves into a corner when they say, well, you people talking amongst yourselves and bringing these things up, well, that's fake news, and that's alternative, and y'all are a bunch of conspiracy weirdos. That's not true. And, in fact, they need to really back down off of that because, um, well, things might change. But, you know, that was something else we were talking about, Dave. We, we're not out of the woods yet. I know there's a, a change of uh, change of office coming up here in, what, 15, 16 days now. I know those evil forces are out there working real hard to make sure that doesn't happen. Happened. But um, you all know, stay safe out there and stay vigilant, not only with the foods you eat and the labels that you read and what you pick up off the grocery store, but right now in the bigger picture, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that we need to be hopefully uh, already knowledgeable about, but we need to keep an eye out because what well, could come to a neighborhood near you any day soon if uh, that's what they want. They're trying really hard to make that happen, but uh, they've... You mentioned that about the, the anesthesia, and that's kind of what I was leading up to, you know, the memory, uh, how that's affected. Well, yeah, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you need to be much more selective about when you let somebody do surgery. To me, the surgery ought to be something that is life-saving or something that is just going to... Uh, improve a horrible condition that you've suffered with and there's no other way around it but what we've always said many people die from the anesthesia anesthesia messes you up for a long time afterwards and now again they're reinventing the wheel there's a new article out talking about uh, anesthesia scrambling the brain well duh uh, people wake up after anesthesia, their bowel movements are messed up, their digestion's messed up, and I guess their brain's a little cloudy, and so now they're talking about it. But it's something that we've known since the beginning of time when they started doing anything that could put you to sleep with, you know, chloroform and all those different things in the old days that they'd soak the rag and put it to your nose and knock you out. So not a good thing so these people that are talking about well I'm going to go in and have elective surgery I suggest unless it really is something important that you don't do it because you're taking a terrible risk that you might take that final nap and second when you come back if you didn't get damaged or bad from it you may have all kinds of other issues for a long time as you come back from that anesthesia so Nobody should go jumping into that and consider it an elective surgery like a walk in the park. Yeah, that's uh, something you don't want to mess with. And actually, we were talking about that last week. The brain, well, that's the last thing you pretty much own on this earth, isn't it? On your way in, you might have a couple of thoughts, but uh, you're not going to take all your gold and your fancy cars with you. But I didn't realize how deep you know, the effects go. And I've had some major surgeries where I've had to you know, be put under. And I guess it was young enough in my life where my brain was able to recuperate. But, again, some of these things, they come back to haunt you. Uh, I'm getting funny looks over here. No, 
Yes. Okay. The, the studio audience, the studio audience that knows him better than all of us, is not really agreeing with him as he's speaking. So maybe there's a little more damage. We won't tell it. That's why I never bring a studio audience to the studio. Anyway, no. Some of these things might creep back in later on in life, and you never know. And you know, if you've had major surgery, uh, you know, maybe uh, I don't know. Go see a doctor. Dave, you might recommend one or two that would have uh, some natural remedies to, to clear the uh, the thought process. In fact, you might, might want to give me a couple after the show. Well, I'm thinking about drinking some of that sorghum bourbon you were talking about. That's <laughs> <laughs> no good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're at that point of the show where we're going to take a quick commercial break. Please support our sponsors because they support us, and we appreciate everything you do. We will be right back after this commercial break.
about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Take this, do that, don't drive any, you know, 
cars or working against your machinery. But I don't think they really warn you ahead of time with uh, what you're getting yourself into. And that's, again, that's a shot in the dark, really, because you don't want to mess around with the uh, upstairs components. Well, you have to remember, it's like, to me, it's like a used car salesman. they got to fill those hospital rooms. they got to fill those operating rooms. Somebody's got to pay for all those giant structures going up. And so uh, I think sometimes... Uh, it, they're motivated for financial reasons to get people in and do all these surgeries. Uh, years ago, I sat in a uh, hospital room, and I was dressed normal so they didn't know I was a doctor. And the lady was in there for gallbladder symptoms. And, it, and the surgeon walked in, and he didn't say hello to me or anything like that. I walked in, looked at the patient, and he said, hello, I'm so-and-so. I'm going to be the surgeon removing your gallbladder. Uh, they don't get better. They're not needed. There's no side effects, no problems, and you need to make your decision pretty quick and turned around and walked off. And when he left the room, the lady said to me, is that true? And I said, no. And she said, well, what do I do? And I said, well, I can't tell you how to make your decision, but I can tell you that I have treated many and they've never needed surgery if I got to them. So all I can tell you is we've seen a lot of success. Can't say we can cure anything, so I just must saw a lot of miracles. So that particular patient uh, decided to let me treat her, and that was 10 years ago, and the gallbladder is still doing fine, thank God. And, I, you know, I'm sure there are times when you've got to do surgeries, especially to save a life, uh, something really bad. But, but gallbladders come out today like like trimming your fingernails and it's because it's a little bitty tiny thing and they tell people they're not important but the gallbladder is very important and we'll, we'll talk about that on another show one of the other things you and I talked about that we wanted to cover and we didn't get to last week was today what you and I used to call mood swings and emotional roller coaster rides and they, they've got a thousand names for them for a, for a woman after she has a baby it's postpartum depression uh, if you have mood swings you're bipolar if you're bouncing off the walls then you must be uh, HDD or HCAD or, or hyperactive or OCD and they've got all these names and my experience in the last 20 years has been no different than when we were younger and it was just called mood swings and things of that nature is a hormonal imbalance and especially for a pregnant mom that is going through the nine months of carrying the baby well first off they put them on synthetic vitamins prenatal and so here's a mom trying to develop a life source for that baby growing inside of her and all of her systems are trying to take care of two instead of one and then they put them on synthetic vitamins and I've looked at the the prenatal that they give them and it's all synthetic it's something you would never want to give somebody so now you're depleting her because what happens is you give them those bad vitamins and it depletes her all her nutrition and after the baby's born she's completely drained her hormones are bouncing off the walls and they call it postpartum depression when all it is is a simple hormone imbalance from nutritional deficiencies and if we could get to them we could probably do a lot of good it amazes me how they come up with so many different medical terms for things 
mean, I found a lot of those to be confusing because what they say is one thing. To me, it just seems, well, it's a natural occurrence. You know, yeah, you can tell the kid, you know, he's rowdy, of course, because he's been locked in the room all day and you haven't fed him. And when you do feed him, you give him a pound of sugar. What do you expect? For them to label something with a medical term like that, it, it always seems a little sketchy to me. And, you know, I, I think most people in general are getting a little tired of it because, you know, now we've seen generations affected by the medical diagnosis and the prescriptions they've been laying out. And, for, for you know, for the people that are still alive to even tell the tale that aren't, you know, depleted mentally because their brains have been zapped, you know, it's a good time to come forward and say, hey, you know what, I don't agree with that either, but... We need to make a change. I know that sounds kind of strange, but, you know, people need to keep talking about it. I know there's no one central group or organization, but you, the individual, are just as powerful. Like we talked about, Dave, when you're in the doctor's office, he works for you. And people need to remember that. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. I'm not trying to form some sort of a, you know, covert organization to go after the doctors, because we love the doctors. We know there are a lot of them out there that are trying to do good. But... Okay, enough is enough, though. You need to quit labeling things and just kind of uncomplicate things. Treat them normally. Treat them naturally like you do. Well, unfortunately, for the MD side and the pharmaceutical world, their scope of practice will not allow them to do what we do. So their scope of practice better be, according to what they're told and what those doctors have told me, following the protocol which is what they're trained, if Joe shows up with problem A, pharmaceutical product B. And so they've got all these different names so they can get FDA approval to prescribe a particular prescription for a particular situation. And to me, that's terrible because you're covering up. I've had patients come into the office very recently, young patients, who told me they were put on some of these new antidepressive anxiety medicines. And again, anxiety, depression, all that stuff's in the same family. It's mood swings, and, and we call it bipolar today because it sounds really neat, and you can prescribe some pretty good drugs with that name. But they're just usually simple hormonal imbalances and for maybe poor nutrition and you brought up an excellent point for years they were allowed to send kids home from school and tell them you can't come back without a doctor's visit because your kid's hyperactive, he's ADD or ADHD, and what we found out, because I used to see a lot of kids and I couldn't figure out why, turned out that for everyone you put on a medication after he saw the doctor, they got to classify them as a disability and they got federal funds. Well, what I found in most cases, I'd say 90% of the time, the kids were bored and maybe a really poor nutrition. You know, like too much candy, too much Cokes. You know, instead of maybe letting your kid have a Coke or two throughout the week, they were having several a day. And so the kids are bouncing off the walls. Also, I had some parents and teachers tell me that some of the kids weren't getting a recess at all until 20 minutes before time to go home. Well, kids need to have time to play and have fun. That's the whole reason I went to school. Yes. 
And so, you know, you've got a lot of kids that are just bored to tears. Yeah, well, especially listening to some of the stuff that they're trying to teach them. And, you know, they're probably just having a natural reaction to the garbage that they're trying to be fed into their brain. Maybe. Well, and think about it. You're, you go to school, and, you, and they all go back in the spring and the summer after a little break and it's beautiful outside and it's the weather's not too hot it's not too cold and the last place you want to be is stuck in that school and one of my problems with school which i think is why they have all these mood swings is the food there uh, especially this last eight years uh, was really terrible and evidently our, our president's wife thought whoever gave her advice gave her some pretty bad advice on what was good nutritional food it wasn't and so the schools were complaining that they were throwing all this food away so now the kids aren't even eating very good well if you don't feed the body then the adrenals and thyroid are going to get in trouble. They, they, they're part of the, what makes the hormones, the hypothalamus and the pituitary. And if it's a girl, the ovaries involved, the boy, the testes. So if you're not getting the good nutrition, then you don't develop that foundation for good hormonal health, mental health. And, and if you're eating a lot of junk, you could be bouncing off the walls. And then on top of that, a lot of these kids had not found what interested them, and schools were so regimented with way too much basic crap that if if you're interested in something particular, you may never get it. And a lot of the schools have taken away shop and all those different classes that helped you excel and find yourself if there was something that interests you. So uh, it, it's really sad, but I think a lot of these names, bipolar and anxiety and depression and postpartum and all that just to sell medicine and the last thing you want is for your young uh, patient who just had a baby home taking medicine she should be breastfeeding and giving that child natural good nutrition Um, doesn't work well that's where it all starts I mean the moment right out of the womb you know it's like the world is standing there waiting to get a hold of you and stick their fangs into you and they just won't let nature be will they but they say oh I love nature and we got to do something for the environment but they don't care enough about the people that would be here to take care of it but I guess they want us all gone anyway right is that what I'm led to believe, Dave? I mean, maybe they're just trying to get rid of us. <laughs> I'm just making this up now. You know, we're just talking. Crazy well, talking. Well, they're not going out of the way to keep us here. Isn't that funny? I tell you, it seems like everything you know, out there has got something embedded into it to make it even worse. And, and, you know, we were talking about the RFID stuff. And I know we're, you know, probably not enough time. As always, we never have enough time because there's so many things going on in the world. But that, you know, with your mechanical engineering background, you know, that, to me, I saw that and I was like, oh, Dave needs to hear about this. And I know you probably already know, already know know enough about this but having something that close putting it in your body I mean that's got to be disruptive to to everything in your body I mean that's going to cause more problems than ever but these people seem like oh this is better than sorghum I mean these, are these the same people that are coming out with the <laughs> well it's the same people that are already putting it in animals and and the excuse is well if your animal escapes we can track it well you know what in, in my whole life I can't think of any animals that I lost, maybe some on purpose, passed on the way, but uh, nothing that I ever lost that we couldn't find. 
and never did we need to stick some chip in some poor dog or cat and to do it to a person that's just insult to injury I mean we don't need to be tagged and you know like the, you see the cows and the, the fish and they've all got little stickers and tags so they can monitor them we don't need that they're monitoring things enough let people live a natural good life and we've said this before uh, we both agree that there are a lot more good people on this earth than bad quit treating everybody like they need to be controlled and and you know shove a certain doctrine down their throat let people live their life you know it should be I, I don't do anything that would harm another and I don't allow them to do that to me, and I don't do that to their property, and they don't do it to my property. And if if you just, you know, like live by the old golden rule, um, life would be pretty good. And like I said, a lot of times, the Bible is a wonderful history book. No matter what religion you are, just read it for history. And it talks about eating and drinking and the things they did and uh, it gives you some pretty good guidelines on how to do things the right way. Yeah, and uh, what I remember, Jesus Christ was pretty uh, laid back. He was not, you know, claiming to be a genius and showing off his credentials everywhere he went. He just he just did things. But he lived a pretty natural life. You know, he didn't have it very complicated. He didn't have to have all these frills and whistles. He didn't have the rest of the disciples carrying him around because he was, uh, you know, thought he was better than everybody else. He just seemed to have a, a great disposition. He always had a, an answer to everything. But if you notice, and I don't mean to get off track here, but now that we're talking about it, you know, he always had a, ment- a, a, a relaxed mental attitude. And a couple things that we've always touched on on the show and the importance of your thinking. I can't emphasize that enough. And then you always say, well, well, what would Jesus do? No, it's not what Jesus would do. It's what did he think? What was he thinking? He didn't have to deal with all the pharmaceuticals. He probably didn't have to go under anesthesia. He didn't have all the GMOs in the food background. But if you're looking for <laughs> if you're looking for an example how to act and how to deal with all this, it certainly wouldn't be me because, well, anyway, look at Jesus Christ. He's the role model that we all need to go and follow. And like I said, Dave, the, the Bible is a is is more than just a normal book. I mean, it's a guideline for your life, and it's written to kind of help you have an easier life in the first place. If you just follow it a little bit, you know, you, you might relieve some of the pressure in your life. Just saying. Remember, I got hit in the head and I was under anesthesia, so anything I say cannot <laughs> be used against me. <laughs> no, I'm going to plead the fifth right now. But, well, you know, if you look in the Bible for as a history book and separate yourself from whatever your belief might be, mm-hmm. We were taught how to properly slaughter and eat the meat. Mm-hmm. We uh, One of the things the Bible is very specific on is not to use the blood. That was the life of the animal. And so it says, you know, not to use the blood in anything. Uh, so people were taught to eat the meat, the fish. You didn't hear Jesus when those crowds were gathered together and they needed to eat. He didn't tell them, get over there and make me a large salad. Right. He taught them how to multiply that fish and eat the cows. And So he, he did all that. And uh, we've been taught to do that stuff properly. And you know, you'll hear people say about drinking milk, you shouldn't drink milk. Well, they've taught them in the old days to drink milk from the very beginning. So there are a lot of things that you can learn from that kind of a history book, no matter what your religious belief, and say, wow, look what they used to do. And and they didn't have 
all these named diseases, and they didn't have a bunch of pharmaceutical stuff. They had a lot of natural healers uh, doing things probably the way we think today an awful lot. Yeah, living was hard back then. I mean, you had to actually work back then. I don't think uh, they had a lot of desk jobs back then. And paperwork, eh, I mean, that was unheard of. But nowadays, it's a little different. And, you know, everybody's going to do their own thing. They're going to do what they want to do. You mentioned the blood, and I was like, oh, no, he's not going to go there. Because nowadays, well, I mean, they're like rubbing it all over themselves and doing all sorts of weird, crazy stuff. Hey, that's your calling. If that's what you want to do, not going to judge you. That's your prerogative. But, you know, that is going on out there. And things we need to be aware of. But we don't want to focus on all that right now. We just want to remind you, the listener, you are the only person that really cares about you. We care about you, but we can't do anything about it because we're not in your head. All right? You've got to get in touch with yourself. You've got to come to grips with what do I need to make my life better? And I always recommend, you know, hey, a little doctor in your day will not hurt. You just read, but that gives you the platform, that gives you the foundation to work from. You know, mentally, that's, that's a part of it. You know, you got to have that, like we talked about last week, you know, people with that fatalism attitude. Oh, I've got this, i got that, I'm going to die. Well, replace that thinking with some doctrinal thinking. You might find uh, a lot of improvement in your day. Trust me, it does work. Well, and if you ever get to where you want to complain a lot, remember Bill Cosby when he did the old series on Noah. And Bill Cosby was playing Noah, and this was on the old albums way back. And he was loading animals in the ark, and all of a sudden God said, Noah. And Bill Cosby playing Noah said, yeah, who's that? He said, it's God. So what do you want? And he said, those last two animals were the same. And he said, well, change one of them. I'm getting tired of this. Who's going to clean up all that mess down there in the ark? And, and this is, the neighbors are starting to think I'm crazy. And God said, Noah, how long can you tread water? And Noah said, you and me, Lord, right? <laughs> so if, if you ever start thinking this is a little too rough, remember those poor people back then, as Joe said, that was a tough life. And Noah building an ark around his neighbors. Can you imagine today if you say something out loud that they don't like, you're a domestic terrorist or you're crazy or what's that fool doing over there at his house? Noah built an ark. God, can you, you imagine the ridicule? Oh yeah, I guess the Homeowners Association didn't get a hold of him, but they would have. Yeah, they would have been all over that. Yeah, in a heartbeat. If they're going to come after you for bees, I can imagine building uh, you know, an ark out there. That's amazing. But you know, back, back to what we were starting with is if you're struggling with anxiety, depression, if if you think you've got a compulsive disorder, most likely, I'd, I'd say almost all the times I've ever dealt with a patient, it's usually a hormonal imbalance and it's usually something we can help you with and fix. So please call. The, the number in my office is 832-220-6163 and you can call the show anytime. We're here every Wednesday, God willing, uh, 800-932-1980. It's AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You can go to the, to the website. Uh, Frank is there all the time doing the producer. 
Houston, and he's the owner, and it's a wonderful, wonderful place. There's a, you can go donate. You can ask questions. If you call in, you're going to get to talk to Frank, and he'll put you on air with us, and we'd love to talk to you. So uh, as Joe said, we always run out of time. We have more material, and we base a lot of things on things that happen during the week, articles that we see, news we hear about, and people we talk to, and things come up. Uh, as we mentioned, we both have a good man, friend Richard, who has coined the phrase, and we're going to make him rich for it one day. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying side effects from medication, he calls them direct effects, and he's probably right. That's a pretty good way to look at it. Yeah, so college. we have a lot of patients that give us a lot of material for the week, a lot of friends and family and news articles and stuff. So please call in anytime you would like. We'd love to hear from you. And even after our show, if you call in and talk to Frank, he'll get that message to us the next week. Because what we do here, Dave, and I'm sure the listening audience can tell someone, we research, we, t- you know, we pick things that we're going to talk about. But we're not at the level where your mainstream media plans, discusses, talks, practices, runs it up the chain, the corporate, you know, managers got to get involved and, you know, we got to make a call, you know, these, these people are controlling what they can say. Right now, for the time being, Dave and I are, yeah, we're here, we're talking about things, and again, you know, these are things that are relevant to us, you know, these are things that have happened currently, it's almost, like I said, having a conversation, if you were to, you know, run into near Dave out on the street, not literally, but if you were to pass us by on the street, <laughs> And we had a conversation, we'd probably be talking about things like this. And this is what Americans, I don't care where you are, I don't care what color you are, I don't care your financial situation, this is the last thing that we can do as Americans that we can all agree on. We can talk. We don't have to always agree on everything, but you offer something to the conversation, I have something in the conversation. I learned so much sitting over here when I come to see Dave, and that's why I do this, is because I know Dave, I trust Dave. I would literally put my hands, my, my life in your hands, Dave, and I, I guess technically I have. But I'm a living, walking testimony to the power of this doctor that's sitting here in front of me. And, and like I said, you know, he passes on the street and we get to talk and this is going to, this is what we're going to be talking about. Things that are beneficial to all of us. Not about, hey, how can we make money? What are we going to sell today, Dave? No, nothing. We're just talking about things that are important not only to us from our own experiences, but what might be beneficial to the other American who's a thousand miles away or wherever you are in whatever part of the world you are. We want the best for everyone. Life is too short to worry about how much money I'm going to have by the end of the week or by the end of my lifetime. Can't take it with you. Keep it. I don't want it. Up to you, Dave. Did we run over already? No, we're we're doing just fine. Uh, you're way too kind, uh, but I sure appreciate uh, your it's time. Truth, David, I, you're not going to pay me a nickel to say something false about anybody or anything. Even if I don't like, even if I didn't like you, I wouldn't talk bad about you. Does, does that mean we can quit paying the studio audience? Oh, that's why we aren't paying them anything. <laughs> we doubled the salary last week. We're yeah. about zero. And, and we doubled the salary from zero times two, and they're still here. So that, we appreciate that. You can't tax my love, Dave. You can tax my labor, but not my love. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we we want you to know that we believe there's a lot more good people out there. And even this country with all the screwed up things that are going on and things that none of us like and, and food and drug administrations doing things that we don't like, Joe and I have both been in the military, and we can tell you 
it's still a whole lot better in this country, even with all of its problems and faults, than anywhere we've ever been. And I pray, God, that uh, Trump is going to make it better, as he put it, make America great again. That would be a really nice thing. And who knows, Texas is talking about leaving and doing a Texit like uh, the Brexit over there in Europe. So you never know what's going to happen. But we still know that we're trying to help you make good decisions in your health and in your life. And it means a lot to us. we're uh, at that point of the show where we just want to tell you thank you. We really appreciate being here. May God bless you all with health and happiness. And please don't be so busy worrying about tomorrow that you forget to live today. That's the best thing you can do. And live each moment to the fullest that you possibly can. Based on doctrine, I think that's going to go a long way. Good night, everybody. Thanks a lot.
and an entire family shows up, husband, wife, and two kids, and they all have colds. And you wonder, why does somebody in a rational state of mind bring a whole family with a cold to a house where there's going to be 30 people there? Seriously. I tried to avoid them, but when you're in Pennsylvania and it's cold and all the windows and the doors are locked and you're breathing the same air that everybody is exhaling, you're screwed. Anyway, I hope you'll bear with me. And I'd like to wish all of you a happy new year anyway. I hope that you're going to decide to make some sane choices for the new year. Did you know, he says with a straight face, that every time you flush your toilet or you clean a paintbrush in your sink, you're basically contributing fertilizer that will be used to grow the food that will be in your pantry. No, I'm serious. I know it sounds funny. Back in the early 1990s, <clears throat> millions of tons of toxic sewage sludge has been applied to millions of acres of America's farmland food crop fertilizer. Why? Because selling sewage sludge to farmers for use on cropland has been, number one, a favorite government program for disposing of the unwanted byproducts from the municipal wastewater treatment plants, and two, somebody's making money. But sewage sludge is anything but the benign fertilizer that the Environmental Pollution Agency says it is. Why? Because the sludge, the sewage sludge, includes anything that is flushed, poured, or dumped into our country's wastewater system. Which basically is nothing the vast toxic mix of wastes collected from, oh God, countless sources, from homes to chemical industries to hospitals. <clears throat> so the sludge that's being spread on our crop fields is this dangerous mix of heavy metals industrial compounds, viruses, bacteria, drug residues, and radioactive material. In fact, hundreds of people have become ill after being exposed to sewage sludge fertilizer, showing symptoms like respiratory distress, headaches, nausea, rashes, reproductive complications, cysts, and yes, tumors. So the compounds that are added and formed during the sewage treatment process do nothing more but than to create an unknown and unpredictable product, basically one that should fall under the category 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.